Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, I really shouldn't do that. <laughs> I really shouldn't um, try and, and, and do articles right at the last minute. I mean, it was l- during the opening theme, if you heard a little blip there, it was because I found yet another article. Uh, and this is on the stupidity and absurdity um, of the F-35 program, the, the, the uh, uh, whatever it's called. I don't know, the F-35 Lightning II or something like that. You know, they try and give it a fast name to make it uh, appear you know, more lethal than it is. But it's everything that's wrong with the military. So we've got an interesting program today. It's, uh, it's one of those unpredictable ones. Uh, I haven't heard from John Cullen, uh, even though I know he's as reliable as anybody I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he's amazing. And so he should be here with us in the, in the next hour at 9 o'clock. I started an hour late today. Because I was talking to uh, Josie last night, and, and Josie's here in the, the Milton, Pensacola area also. And what, she was talking to Dr. Stella Emanuel, and, or, and I think uh, one of her assistants. And so Dr. Emanuel was in, in town. I, was in, I guess I was speaking at a church. She's also a minister as well as a doctor, which is really cool. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just looking at my text messages now as I'm talking, hoping I don't say anything really stupid. You know, I should put the call-in number here. Hang on, let me just do that too. So let's go call-in number, call... And in this is live radio, I know, but you know this is how it works. We're pretty casual around here. Call in number, and you guys can get it to two one five. Let's go again three eight three three eight three two. Does anybody else see that? Um, are, you know your fingers are too big for the phones, and I get a, I get a bigger phone, but uh, my fingers are still too big for this phone. Call in number two one five three eight three three eight three two. Okay, so let's put that in there too. There we go. So if all works out, we should have Dr. Stella Emanuel. I mean, she's one of the heroes of COVID. She's one of the, the early folks at America's Frontline Doctors, and she was the one prescribing hydroxychloroquine, you know, back in, in the, the winter of 2020, you know, and she, I heard about her very early on, heard about Dr. Simone Gold very early on, heard about Dr. Zelenko very early, and Dr. Raoult in France in Marseille, who did the first study on why hydroxychloroquine you know, cures COVID, even though doctors aren't supposed to say cure. They're supposed to say treats effectively. Uh, they shouldn't be saying safe and effective on the, on the vaccines for a couple of reasons. One, they're not vaccines, and two, they're not safe or effective. Uh, you know, I don't know how you call something safe, uh, you know, which is killing the amount of people and crippling the amount of people it is, and effective uh, when it wears off after two months. You know, if it were effective, you wouldn't need a second shot and two boosters. That's, to me, that's not effective. Okay, that's propaganda. Anyway, so we've got uh, John Cullen, data expert. He's the, he's the map daddy. He's given himself a new title. Like me, I'm the nerd warrior. Uh, John Cullen is the map daddy, and he's the one that created the Johns Hopkins COVID map. And they screwed around with it, and they made everything red. <laughs> you, know, you know, nobody's dead in, in certain countries, yet they're red on the, on the COVID map. Well, how did that happen? So he got a little curious, right? So Dr. Manuel. I've been trying to get her on for two years. I wrote her a couple of years ago, uh, tried emailing, contacting, texting, phoning, no luck. Anyway, uh, same thing with Dr. Simone Gold. So they're obviously they're swamped with people and they're probably suspicious, which I would be, you know, of, uh, of the different uh, folks that are trying to get them on the air and try and um, ambush them, trick them, but not on this show. What I really want to talk to her about are, are two of our bills, vaccine product liability and uh, ending big tech censorship, both of which have crippled all the honest doctors out there. The ones that are, that are not only uh, um, prescribing uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin C, 
uh, azithromycin, the, the Zelenko protocol, uh, plus other variations of, of their own that they find work best. Uh, you know, the information is being censored. So not only is the, uh, the public health Nazis in Washington, headed by Dr. Fascist, um, telling doctors you know, around the country and around the world, basically, you know, to follow our program, which will kill people, and uh, don't use your own program. They, they silence them and ban them. They're, they're working with uh, big tech to make sure that they get banned when they do uh, tell people things that will cure them. <laughs> and this is, this is the strange world we live in. You know, this, is, this is the world that we never thought would happen. We always thought it happened to other people in other countries. And it's like, no, 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 it can happen here too. You know, I knew that when I was a kid, when I first got to the United States. I said, first thing I noticed was, A, the place was big. I mean, really big. Because <laughs> I landed in a, in a boat in New York. Uh, well, actually, it was a ship. So then in a ship in New York, I thought, this, this is big. This is just one city. Wow, New York this is a big country. <laughs> okay. And then the next thing I noticed was the government was big because I happened to live in Massachusetts near a huge Air Force base, massive runways. And I, I was taking flying lessons when I was a kid. And those runways were so big, we could have taken off on the width <laughs> or maybe a slight angle. That's how big they were. They were made for B-52s and, and C-5s, uh, C-5 Lockheed Galaxies. And so, uh, so I lived in this massive Air Force base. And there was a war going on. I mean, Vietnam was going on when I got to the United States. And so it was quite fascinating to see just how big the country and just how big the government and just how big the Air Force was. I'm like, whoa, didn't have that in Australia. <laughs> we didn't have bombers that big. You know, I don't think we even had bombers in Australia. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think even in World War II they had bombers. Well, two engine ones, you know, but nothing, uh, nothing major. So that's the first thing you learn about the United States is, A, the country is big, and uh, also the, the, the government is even bigger. <laughs> that's where you are now. Federal government's the largest employer, and we need to change that. So that's our program today. I've got to, I want to talk about some military stuff uh, in the first hour. Uh, second hour, John Cullen with the global pandemic update. And the third hour, if all goes well, Dr. Stella Emanuel from America's Frontline Doctors. All right, so let's get started with this article I found. And there's a couple of people that I want to try and get on the show again. They've been on before, uh, and that would be Joshua Whitehouse and uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor. And Colonel McGregor, you see on Fox News all the time. Josh Whitehouse, you don't. He was a liaison from the Trump administration uh, to the Defense Department, and his job was to drain the Pentagon swamp. And fascinating uh, person. Uh, he's been on the show. That was one of our more popular shows when Josh was on. So I want to try and get him back. In fact, I want to get both these people back. So they wrote an article uh, in the American Conservative that was titled, it was uh, titled, 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 America's Four-Star Problem. And what they're talking about is four-star generals. So if I know my, my military uh, hierarchy, and of course they can come on and correct me, first star is brigadier general, second star is lieutenant general, I've forgotten what the third star is, and the fourth star. What's the fourth star? Uh, well, I think third is probably major general, and fourth would be, I don't know, general general? <laughs> where, do you, where do you go from there? Anyway, four stars are the problem. Um, so when you get that high, it's just, it's just like, like Millie who's probably the worst person. I bet you I can find a second lieutenant with more leadership ability. Uh, I said, you know who would be better in, the, in that job? Uh, the guy that's leaving the Coast Guard because they, they insist that uh, he get an experimental COVID jab and ruin his health when this guy's probably the healthiest guy I've ever seen. Jake, what's his name? You see this guy yesterday? It was, on, it was on Fox News. It was on with Tucker. I think it was Tucker. Uh, guy's got like a, this neck that you know, sort of extends from his head. I mean, this, this guy's like a rock. You know, he could be a linebacker. You know, and he's Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer. And you're going to give this guy, a, do you think this guy's worried about COVID? I mean, his chances of getting COVID, or he's probably already had COVID, but his chances of having COVID do anything to him, you know, he's young and, and extremely healthy and, and probably works out like six hours a day, you know, so he can be a rescue swimmer. But COVID is not his problem. The jab is his problem, and he knows it. He's not stupid. 
you know, and so he's smart enough to know that he's healthy enough that he doesn't need a COVID shot. Like I say, he probably already had COVID. And the, the problem with COVID is nobody ever tests for immunity. This is how I knew the jab was bad. I knew it was bad because they weren't testing for immunity. So the first thing that, that doctors should do is see what you don't need. Okay, well, you don't need antibiotic. You don't have a bacterial infection. You don't need, uh, you know, this because you don't have a viral infection. You do need this because, you know, you've got, you know, iron deficiency or whatever it is. So they have to find out what you don't need. But medicine doesn't work that way. They give you the COVID shot regardless of whether you need it or not because it makes money for big pharma. And then big pharma kicks it back to uh, uh, the health Nazis and Dr. Fascist, you know, in Washington and, and the state uh, legislature, uh, state uh, public health departments, you know, through the CMS. And then the hospitals get, oh, the hospitals get their kickback from the Center for Medicaid Services uh, in, in the fund of, re, you know, the rebates and the funding. And so we've got this really weird national health um, it's like a mandatory Holocaust. It's, it's, it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's a mandatory medical Holocaust. You will do these things, and they will kill you. <laughs> it's just it's unbelievable what's going on around here. Anyway, so we've got another problem. We've got a problem with our military, and I knew we had a problem. You know, I've studied military history. I, I was a, a student of World War II at the age of 10. You know, I was in Australia, you know, and in Australia, don't forget, Australia was attacked by, by the Japanese. The Japanese were in northern Australia. They were in Port Moresby in Darwin. And so uh, Australia had a very real chance of being invaded. So this isn't something they take uh, lightly. Uh, the closest uh, we came to being invaded was the terrorist attack in 9-11. We weren't invaded, but we were certainly attacked. And, of course, the attack before that was Pearl Harbor, and before that, I think, the War of 1812, in terms of actually attacking the United States. Uh, we lost, I think, World War I were the ships, and I don't think World War II, other than Pearl Harbor, uh, and up in the Aleutian Islands. And I think to... Uh, uh, <laughs> Two, two uh, gunshots in Oregon from a Japanese sub. I think that's about it in terms of actual attacks on the, on the United States. So we're not used to it. And so ever since World War II, once we won World War II, the military changed, we changed, we became this, this you know, the United States thought of itself as an empire, and then the permanent war class took over. And so after World War II, you had the United Nations, uh, which is 1945. Uh, they negotiated that in San Francisco, uh, the Bretton Woods Conference, I think it was called. Anyway, so we got the U.N. So we got the United Nations, uh, which was the, 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 uh, uh, the second iteration of the League of Nations, which was under Woodrow Wilson, you know, our very racist uh, prime minister who got us into World War I, promising not to do it. And it was a Democrat. Uh, and then we had the, uh, the, the blatantly uh, socialist communist Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who got us into World War II, uh, also a Democrat. And although he fought well once he got us in there, you know, the problem was he got us in there in the first place. I still believe that we knew about Pearl Harbor. We could have easily... Uh, stopped the Japanese fleet before they got to Pearl Harbor um, and, uh, and sunk them, you know, or at least blockaded them or done something. Uh, and even if they had attacked Pearl Harbor, that fleet could have been destroyed. And, and that would have been it. You know, it's okay, we just, you, you attacked us, we destroyed your fleet. But the idea of going to war, I mean, everybody was like so, so willing to go to war. And the second place we could have stopped World War II was Admiral King. Admiral King had a plan to cut the Japanese supply lines in the middle of the Pacific. MacArthur wanted to do island invasions. And, and retake the Philippines at the cost of millions of lives, you know, mostly uh, local folks, you know, the Okinawans, the, the, the folks who lived on Iwo Jima, uh, the people in the Solomon Islands, Guadalcanal, the Philippines, horrible things happened. So, but the, the real genius of World War II in the Pacific was, was Nimitz, first of all. But secondly, Admiral King. Admiral King had a plan to cut the supply lines. So if you cut the supply lines, you cut off the bottom half of the entire Japanese forces. You isolate them, and they can't do anything. So then from the middle, you attack outwards. So you, you've, you've completely flanked. So the bottom supply lines, they're going to run out of supplies. They're going to run out of food. They're going to run out of ammunition. They can't do anything. So then they come neutral as a force. So then you concentrate on Japan. 
you probably blockade Japan and, and ruin their industry and, and their will to fight. You take away their ability to fight. But this island hopping campaign never made any sense to me. It was, it was, it was just brutal fighting. You ever see uh, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, the film about Private Doss, the, uh, the conscientious objector who saved like 75 lives by lowering him down this, this huge ridge in World War II and this battle for Okinawa? What were we doing in Okinawa? <laughs> you know, anyway, so we got a problem. And you look at the visionaries of, uh, of our military. Uh, well, let me get back to this real quickly. So after World War II, we had the uh, United Nations in 1945. We had Korea was separated, I think, 1947. War started there in 1950, uh, a, a sort of a, um, a ceasefire in 1953, and it's never been officially solved. So 1954, Vietnam is split in half. And then, of course, in the early 1960s, you know, we start escalating there. The French had it was French Indochina, you know, and they lost and they got kicked out. And so then, of course, we go in um, and, uh, and, and then he had all mess there. And we know about Vietnam. Vietnam should have said, OK, we, we, we need to stop doing this. We need to stop this nation building. We need to stop reinforcing corrupt governments. We need to stay out of things that aren't our business. You know, do horrible things happen in the world? Yes. But is it our job to solve them and pay for them and, and fund billions upon billions of dollars and try and, you know, come victory that's impossible? No. And, of course, the latest one is Ukraine. We have no business in Ukraine. I was talking to Captain uh, Tom Stewart yesterday. Great show, last hour of the show. And we're talking about Ukraine. What should have, what should have happened, uh, if anybody had a brain in their head, was that NATO should not have any membership in any uh, Eastern European country and uh, shouldn't be in Norway, Sweden, and Finland either. You know, NATO should be the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, the victors in World War II, Western Europeans, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, England, Scotland, Ireland, you know, Italy, Greece, uh, the Western European nation. That's it. That's it. The whole point of, the, of NATO was, was to be a, a wall against uh, the Warsaw Pact, which is what Russia had as their buffer zone so that Germany wouldn't attack, you know, wouldn't Eastern Europe and attack Russia again. That's the whole idea of the Warsaw Pact. So the Cold War, strangely enough, worked because the, the Russians had the Warsaw Pact. That was their buffer zone. You know, Western Europe had NATO. That was their safety zone. And we were on the other side of the Atlantic. Okay. Stalemated. We didn't have a war during the Cold War because it stalemated. You know, it was a balance of power, and everybody realized that there was no reason to do anything. And then, of course, it started destabilizing when the NATO decided they wanted all of Europe, which was stupid. Well, Putin doesn't want that. He doesn't want nuclear weapons on his border any more than we wanted weapons in Cuba. So it was a stupid policy. It never should have happened. You know, the U.S. basically, under Brandon, the insurrectionist, an illegal president caused an illegal war. And this is where we are. What should have happened was if there was a dispute between Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia, then the other European nations of Eastern Europe, the ones who were subjugated and uh, basically enslaved by the former Soviet Union, should have banded with Ukraine and they should have solved it. So this should have been an Eastern European and a Russian contained problem. We should have had nothing to do with it because we shouldn't be in NATO anyway. But we are because we have this permanent war class and the permanent war class always has to be at war somewhere. And this was headed by uh, you know, Bush the Elder, who got us in Iraq 1, Bush the Younger, who wanted to impress Daddy, so he got us in Iraq 2, and I'm not sure who, it was Clinton or somebody, I don't know when uh, we got into uh, Afghanistan, but I think it was the Clinton, Bush, and Obama, you know, permanent war class war. They're all globalists, right? So they keep us at war somewhere. And of course, once uh, we surrendered, well, Brandon surrendered uh, illegally. Uh, in Afghanistan, the illegal president surrendered illegally. He, uh, you know, Obama had them give uh, all our weapons to the Taliban so they could build their nation that way, uh, him being a, a Muslim supporter and probably Muslim himself, I would think, due to his heritage of his father. You know, that's, how, that's how Islam is passed down, through the families, from the father to the son, et cetera, et cetera. 
So we know how that works. He's never renounced it. So, you know, I imagine that's what's going on, which makes sense why Obama would donate, you know, $85 billion worth of our arms through Brandon to the Taliban. That makes sense. And that, that's his foreign policy. And his foreign policy is anti-American. He's a globalist. Okay. So that's how that works. So now, so now the permanent war class has to have a war somewhere. So they send us to Ukraine. And they spend billions of dollars. And it's like Afghanistan all over again. It's not our problem. We shouldn't have been in Iraq. We shouldn't have been in Afghanistan. We shouldn't have been in, in Ukraine. These aren't our problems. We have no problems here. We could have put all the power lines in Florida underground, you know, before Hurricane Ian, and we wouldn't have power losses right now. We could have done amazing things with our infrastructure. We could have given everybody hydroxychloroquine, which is what Peter Navarro wanted to do, and there wouldn't have been a pandemic. There would have been no lockdowns, no school closures, no job losses, no businesses closed, no families losing their fortune, you know, and related to COVID, no suicides, addictions, depressions, um, assaults, you know, family, domestic violence, et cetera, et cetera. Because there would have been no pandemic. In fact, there never really was. It was never that deadly to begin with. It's a flu bug. And John Cullen talks about that. So then I got this article from American Conservative. And this was from September 29th, 2022. So we're talking about, uh, I think, about two weeks ago now. And it really documents the problems with our military. And uh, so I want to go through this as we need to talk about this more. Um, but, this is, but you can see how this directly relates to what's going on in uh, Ukraine. So American conservatives, September 29th, Douglas McGregor, Joshua Whitehouse. Reflecting on the Battle of the Bulge during December 1944 and January 1945, Troy Middleton, former 8th Corps commander, said Patton's principal worth was that he kept things moving. He kept everybody else moving, not only his juniors, but his seniors. Otherwise, during the Battle of the Bulge, there would have been a tendency to play Montgomery, to dress up the lines instead of getting in there and hitting the Germans hard. And so let me explain that in, in, in regular English. So 8th Corps, that's probably the 8th Army. And so what Patton did, Patton came up through Southern uh, Europe. He came through Italy. You remember, you see the movie Patton, Messina, you know, and then Sicily, and then to the bottom of Italy. And that's how Patton was driving north. And that's how Patton got into Germany. And then they, um, I'm not sure exactly sure what happened. Then he used to relieve the command for a while, and then he comes back through D-Day, uh, northern France. Anyway, so Patton, you know, made things move. Patton was a rebel. Patton was, you know, uh, an instigator. Patton was one of those people that you need during a war, but is absolutely useless during peacetime because they don't want him. They don't want his ideas. They don't want him messing up the system. Montgomery is much more proof. General uh, uh, Brigadier, no, was it Brigadier, no, what was his name? Field Marshal. Actually, he was a Field Marshal. That's above a general, right? So Field Marshal uh, Bernard Montgomery was much more into taking some ground, holding it, making it all nice and pretty, you know, making sure everybody's, you know, regulated and caught up and their uniforms are good. And then he'd go take another piece. But it was too slow for Patton. Patton that's how Patton beat him to Messina in Sicily because he moved. And he kept everybody moving. And you keep the enemy on the run. You don't give a chance to settle. You don't fight, wait, fight, wait. I mean, Sun Tzu would be appalled by that kind of a strategy. Yet that was Montgomery because, you know, the British, unfortunately, you know, favor their equipment more than people. You know, American tradition in the military is to favor people more than equipment. Obviously, look at what happened in the t- with the Taliban. Anyway, so that's what happened. So, so Patton was, was you know, very American stuff general and did what he did, ran fast and hard and beat the enemy quick. Uh, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Anyway, the article goes on. Middleton's observations are sound, but in 1939, the Army's senior leaders had already selected the unpopular and irascible, I like that word because it sort of reminds me of uh, me, <laughs> the irascible Patton for retirement and obscurity. So they already want to get rid of him. Before the war, they want to get rid of him. And this is pretty common. You know, it's like Billy Mitchell, which we'll talk about further down in the article. Billy Mitchell was court-martialed for being insubordinate. And yet he warned that the Japanese would attack Pearl Harbor on a Sunday at dawn, you know, from the north. 
Okay, and he, he did this in like 1923. <laughs> he said, "This is the way. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in the Pacific." And the, uh, you're an idiot. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Shut up. Go away. Court martial. Insubordinate. You know, we we policymakers. You know, or the what they call now the PowerPoint Rangers know better. All right. Next uh, paragraph says Middleton's observations are sound, but in 1939, the Army senior leaders senior leaders had already selected Patton for retirement and obscurity. I already read that. Patton was not the only one. And this is where I also got these other folks. In the 1920s, the Army's senior leaders sidelined Colonel Billy Mitchell and Brigadier General Adna Chafee. Now, I'm not familiar with Adna Chafee. I was after this morning because I looked him up. Anyways, as Mitchell wanted to develop air power, Chafee wanted to build the armored force. Thanks to the outbreaks of wars in Poland and Western Europe, the idea survived and Patton survived, but only barely in time to be used in World War II. Of course, the real scandal of Patton was the fact that he was killed in a very mysterious car accident right after World War II. Why? Well, those of us of, uh, uh, of the, the suspicious nature think that he was killed because he wanted to go to war with Russia right then. He said, we've got the army, we need to take the Russians back to Russia, we need to free Eastern Europe, and uh, he was right. You know, because uh, the Russians didn't take the territory deliberately. See, we, you know, the, the allies, you know, England, France, and, uh, and the United States uh, took Western Europe to free those countries. Well, Russia didn't take them to free them. I mean, they, they were going to, for Germany. Uh, to, to basically punish Germany horribly for what they did to Russia. I mean, I understand that. But in the process, they went through Eastern Europe, not to liberate those countries, but to take them, <laughs> take over them, and make them communists. So this is where you get these completing, competing ideologies of freedom versus Marxism. And so that was the big deal. So Patton said, wait a minute, we're already here. You know, they're already weakened. You know, they've already been through over Germany. They've lost millions and millions of people. Let's kick their ass back to Russia. Patton was right. But mysteriously, he died in a car accident right after World War II. Really? <laughs> that was strange. <laughs> okay. So that's how these things go. Back to the article. Today, the potential for high-intensity conventional warfare between great powers looms large. The next president and his, and his administration must recognize that high-intensity conventional warfare demands much more character and competence than they will find in another cohort of three- and four-star yes-men with brush cuts and bright eyes wearing the uniform from the distant past minus its gold buttons. Okay, so that's it. Generals always fight the last war. That's the theory. You know, uh, that's why the generals in World War One wanted cavalry charges on horseback. Really, into tanks, machine guns, and barbed wire. That was smart, and it didn't work the first several times. So they tried it again. We just need more men. It'll work. It's always worked. No, it doesn't. Cavalry charges or, or men running in the fields yelling and screaming with bayonets do not win against barbed wire and machine guns. That's insanity to think otherwise you know, is it, crazy and should relieve you of duty immediately. But it didn't because the, the World War I generals were, uh, were the, the aristocrats. They were the aristocrat class. They were like the, the, the barons of old, the landlords, you know, the, in the feudal times. They were the, they were the nobles and the lords, okay? So the generals in World War I were of the aristocracy. See, American generals are much more of the people, and that's why we had better generals uh, than, than a lot of these things. But even so, they still tolerated bayonet charges, you know, into um, – you know, Pershing, I'm not sure. Pershing was actually really good in World War I. Pershing was our general who commanded the American forces because the British insisted that the Americans be under British control and British officers. And Pershing's like, no, I don't think so. We're not going to have, we're not going to waste our men like you're wasting your men, you know, having them run into barbed wire, you know, with uh, bayonets and having them machine gunned. Oh, the Germans did it too. I mean, they ran into the British barbed wire and were machine gunned because the generals uh, on the German side weren't much brighter than generals on the British side or the French side. They were all insane because they didn't value people. You know, they, they were the aristocrats and the people were just servants, so it didn't matter how many died. Very interesting philosophy. And yet we're supposed to go there and fight more wars? I don't think so. I don't like the European philosophy. 
the class structure, the whole idea of, uh, you know, who gets to fight and who doesn't. That's, that's not how a country should be run, right? Now, I love Europe. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like their war philosophy. And we should have nothing to do with it. And that includes Eastern Europe. We should have nothing to do with Ukraine. Ukraine is the, is the Democrats' money laundering bank. I mean, why is Ukraine always showing up? Why did it show up in impeachment? Why did it show up with Burisma and uh, Hunter Biden? Why is Ukraine always showing up? The fact that this country keeps showing up, and nobody, most people don't even know where it is, should tell you something. You know, we don't need to be associated with a country that the Democrats and probably the Republicans, too, are using as a money laundering bank. I mean, the foreign aid goes there, and then we don't know where it goes. Well, it probably comes back in the pockets of, of our politicians. That's why they didn't like Trump. Trump would have never put up with this. You notice there was no attack in uh, Ukraine when Trump was in office. Why? Because Trump would have had a negotiated peace. He would have got uh, Luchensky, what, I, forget, I can never remember his name, the president of Ukraine. And Putin sat him down and said, look, you two idiots, what do you want? And uh, Putin would have put forward his six points and what's his name would have put forward his, his proposals. And they may not have settled, but the war would have been a lot smaller because we wouldn't have been involved. Back to the article. So then it's here, adding more money to an already bloated defense budget will also not fix the problem. Still, finding new senior officers who are focused more on service than promotion, senior military leaders with minds receptive to fundamental change in warfare is easier said than done. To understand why change must be imposed from above, Alfred G. Meyer developed a typology of leadership that explains the progressive evolution of leaders in large military political or industrial establishment from creative revolutionaries, that would be us at Action Radio, to plotting bureaucrats, that would be, you know, regular radio, you know, uh, that maintain the institution. And actually, this is, I didn't think about this until just now, but this is a really good illustration of uh, the problem with radio. The problem with radio, uh, Fred Jacobs, who is a uh, Hall of Fame media consultant, and I've actually been in contact with him a few times. He's watching what we're doing at Action Radio. He's one of these media gurus. Uh, he created the classic rock format. He's a real smart guy. And I've had contact with him a little bit. And again, you know, we, we keep doing what we're doing. He keeps watching. So, so, so there's a lot of folks that are watching us. One of them is Fred Jacobs. And he, and he wrote an article uh, way back when saying what radio needs, you know, is a brainstorm of new ideas. And I wrote him back. I said, Mr. Jacobs, sir, it's already been done. And that's when I told him about Action Radio, and that's when he started watching us. <laughs> you know, but we've been suppressed so much, we haven't been able to do a lot. But you look at radio. Not only are we suppressed here at Action Radio uh, by big tech, we're suppressed at Action Radio by radio. <laughs> you know, I was fired from a job for doing Action Radio. I was fired for having basically new ideas and not following an ancient, archaic format that doesn't work anymore. Okay? So I'm the creative revolutionary. Uh, anybody associated with the show is a creative revolutionary. Anybody who's written a bill is a creative revolutionary by this definition. And we're up against plotting bureaucrats. And the plotting bureaucrats are iHeart, Cumulus, you know, uh, maybe even Sirius XM, the satellite radio, uh, Salem, any of these plotting bureaucrats that don't carry our show. Why don't they carry our show? Well, because we're creative revolutionaries. We go against the system. We're the Pattons. We're the Billy Mitchells. We're the, uh, we're the, the, uh, the DeLorean, although he didn't come out too well. But at least he, he created a new car. You know? We're the entrepreneurs. We're the, the Wozniak and Jobs of, of radio, creating an entirely new kind of radio. Although it's not a, we're not doing the mechanical thing, we're doing a, a service thing. But the point is, we're the revolutionaries. And what does radio do with revolutionaries? It suppresses them. You know, have you seen iHeart or Cumulus or Salem or any of these folks knocking down my door, even though I've talked to them over years, and I sent hundreds upon hundreds of applications to their radio stations to get a job telling them about action radio? You know, you know the response I got? No. From all of them, except one. One person in the country said yes. This is an interesting idea. Let's try it. And that was Mike Bates, my boss at WEBY 1330 AM. 
Northwest Florida's news and talk leader, one of the last great truly independent radio stations in the country, until it was bought out by uh, folks I won't mention, uh, who then fired me, you know, for doing action radio. <laughs> you know, they wanted, they wanted the old format. I said, well, that's not my job description. You know, I came here to do action radio. That's, that's it. That's the deal. You know, so uh, uh, they fired me. <laughs> okay. Creative revolutionary. You know, Billy Mitchell was court-martialed. <laughs> you know, uh, Galileo was, I think, burned at the stake. Or maybe he wasn't. I mean, I don't think, he was excommunicated. But, you know, if your ideas are controversial enough, they kill you, depending on the society. Look at the Inquisition. All right. So in the United States, we don't do that. We don't kill you for your ideas. At least I hope not. But they certainly kill your, your um, ability to do anything about it. I mean, that's what big tech is for. Big tech is there to stop new ideas, you know, on behalf of government. It's, it's pure fascism, right? So you have a fascist uh, government dictating through big tech to control information. So the only information people get is that remdesivir and ventilators cure COVID, in which case you die. We call the remdesivir ventilator death march. And I'll be talking about that with Dr. Emanuel when she comes on. Back to the article. Okay, I read that. <laughs> yeah, that was a good paragraph. So then we talk about Alfred G. Meyer's typology of leadership. He's got three of them here. And you look at this in terms of the military. It's really quite fascinating. Revolutionaries, 1918 to 1932. So that would be post-World War I to about, well, 1942 is when we got into World War II. I mean, December 7th, 1941 was almost the end of 1941. So basically, we got in World War II in 1942, whereas the Japanese attacked China, I think, in 1937. Uh, Germany attacked Poland in 1939. So we were you know, three years late. So uh, we got in it late and kicked ass. <laughs> we really did. Uh, but we didn't have to get in at all, really. You know, uh, we could have done Lend-Lease to Europe. Uh, and Russia was kicking the butt of Germany. And Russia had you know, five times more troops than all the allies, including us combined. That's where the war was. The war was on the Eastern Front. Because I mean, Hitler was stupid. He attacked Russia. He could have taken Western Europe and kept it. But he didn't because he's an egomaniac. And these things happen. Well, he had two leftist bullies. You know, had one leftist Stalin versus another leftist Hitler. That's where the war was. Then he had an emperor, you know, a megalomaniac emperor, emperor in Japan and Hirohito and Tojo, you know, the military dictator running the country. And then, of course, they ran, ran Japan into the ground. You know, whereas they could have negotiated trade deals, got their resources and been fine. But no, they had to have war and take it. Didn't work. Anyway, so the revolutionaries, the people that uh, created the military that uh, won World War II, are the ones that came out of World War I and went, hmm, this is interesting. Let's do something different. So the, the, uh, the typology of leadership says revolutionaries, 1918 to 1942, the revolutionaries create the system. In the absence of conflict or crisis, they are usually neutered and their influence suppressed, but their concepts and ideas triumph when war threatens. That would be Colonel Doug McGregor, who should be General Doug McGregor. Um, but he's not because he's a revolutionary. He has good ideas. And he, he curled this article with Josh Whitehouse. So the two of them are revolutionaries. That's where I put them. Again, Action Radio, we are revolutionaries. Anybody that creates a new business or a service or uh, Elon Musk is a revolutionary. Okay? Um, Richard Branson, revolutionary. They're also visionary and they're also entrepreneurs. But uh, whether it's a military or business, revolutionaries are revolutionaries. Well, that's just how it goes. And everybody hates you. That's <laughs> the first thing, you, first thing you have to accept. If you're going to be a revolutionary, you've got to know that the, the, the world hates you. They don't want innovation. They don't want, they don't want to have their, their, their natural order shattered. They can't do it. Anyway, so the next category is system builders. And the system builders, 1942 to 1991, is what the article says. The system builders translate the creative visions of the revolutionaries into practice. Well, wait a minute. Does that mean I'm both a system builder and a revolutionary? I think so. I'm creating the system. So I guess I am a system builder. This is kind of cool. All right. So I guess I'm a crossover. 
which I'm a revolutionary system builder. There we go. So 1942, 1991, the system builders translate the creative visions of the revolutionaries into practice. They recognize how wrong-footed the armed forces are and make profound changes in structure, equipment, organization, and most important, thinking. Thinking. Okay? So the real revolutionary in, in World War II was Admiral King, who would have stopped the war with Japan you know, years earlier. Oh, no, we had to have MacArthur. Oh, we have to go island hopping. Point, you know, island by island by island by island, stair-step your way all across the Pacific for the deaths of millions of people, all because uh, MacArthur has an ego. That's, that's really what it came down to. Huh. What's a good system builder? Let me see. So, Trump's a system builder. Okay. I don't know if, I mean, he's not necessarily revolutionary. He's just, you know, very patriotic. In fact, I think if he were revolutionary, he would have handled COVID completely differently. So I put Trump in the system builder category. He just happens to be a very good system builder, and he happens to attract visionary people to him. Peter Navarro, I put in the revolutionary class. Uh, Steve Bannon would be in the revolutionary class. These are the kind of revolutionaries that think beyond. Okay? And then we get to the worst category, <laughs> where we are now. System maintainers, 1991 to the present. So that would be from Bill Clinton on. So that would be the globalist presidents on, except for the aberration of Trump, which they couldn't stand. So they put a globalist uh, back uh, in the White House to present he's president. And that would be uh, one Joe Biden. System maintainers. System maintainers succeed the system builders and become the ardent defenders of the system they inherited. So system maintainers don't create anything. They maintain the status quo to the point of absurdity. It says today's three and four stars, those are generals, today's three and four star generals basically constitute the latest generation of system maintainers. They are satiated, convinced the system works perfectly because it rewarded them with promotion. So that's why they think it works. They think it works because it worked for them. Okay. Can anybody say that Afghanistan worked? 20 years of war, and then we end up surrendering and giving our weapons to the enemy. Well, that didn't work. Iraq. Can anybody say that Iraq worked? All the people that died and all the people that sacrificed their, their, their limbs and were crippled and uh, all the traumatic brain injuries and the PTSD and the suicides, we, we lose three people you know, into suicide to every one person that, that dies in combat. I heard that staggering statistic the other day. Okay. So is, is that what you call a successful system? I don't think so. Okay. Was Iraq a success? No, because there was never a war to win. Oh, what, stopping Kuwait from, uh, from uh, drilling into Iraqi oil fields? That's not our problem. You know, um, don't buy Iraqi oil, you know, oil embargo, blockade, you know, and then the, the Arab countries. If, if Iraq was that big a problem, Saudi Arabia and, and the other countries would have dealt with them. But they didn't. Why? They expected us to do it. Who dealt with Iraq? Iran did. In fact, they went to war. In fact, Henry Kissinger had the best line of the war. He says, it's too bad we can only have one loser. Because as long as Iraq and Iran were fighting each other, they weren't causing trouble anywhere else. The problem is all the innocent people that died because they're all conscripted. And that's how these things work. So, so the, the leaders that cause the wars don't fight the wars. They draft millions of other people and make them fight the wars. Otherwise, they get shot. So you die either way. Some country. Back to system maintainers. Anyway, so it says, for the current generation of system maintainers, this is back to the article, the, a fundamentally new military system with new organizations for a new kind of war is not only inconceivable, the idea is offensive. And therein lies the problem. Let me say that again. For the current generation of system maintainers, that's the current general staff of the military, a fundamentally new military system with new organizations for a new kind of war is not only inconceivable, the idea is offensive. It is offensive then of them to actually ask them to think differently. They're offended by that. But they don't mind being woke. Okay, but they do, but it, it is offensive. This is why you haven't heard about uh, the, uh, the Space Force. 
Okay, Trump was a visionary in terms of that. So was Reagan in terms of uh, the strategic defense initiative, which they all called Star Wars. Why wouldn't you want a missile defense? That's just common sense. Oh, no, can't have that. You know, Russia might uh, feel they have to attack, you know, before we get our defense up. Now, the whole idea of a defense is is, it's not an offense. We need that, too. Offense is a deterrent. Defense says you're not going to (laughs) win. You know, we're going to save our people, even if you try and attack. Okay, same thing now. Space, uh, the Space Force. Brilliant idea. We need it. Okay. But we don't have it because these people are still convinced that uh, we still have aircraft carriers. Okay. Uh, you can call me crazy, but the aircraft carrier is obsolete and has been since missiles could destroy aircraft carriers. Aircraft carriers won World War II. Let's, let's, in the Pacific, let's get it straight. Aircraft carriers won the war. They went at Midway, Coral Sea, you know, they really, uh, and, and they ended the war with the atomic bomb. Yes, I know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of American GIs died fighting for those islands, but I'm convinced that that was never necessary. You know, you take the, uh, the islands that, are, that need the airports, actually you cut off supply lines, and in cutting off supply lines, you, you pick an island, you know, that uh, is on the way between Midway, you know, and uh, whatever island is next, you, you concentrate on that one island, create your airfield there, and you bomb Japan from there. Once the supplies are cut off, the bottom half of the, of the Japanese forces, you know, A, they can't get back, and B, they have no, uh, you know, food or ammunition. So that's strategic. But we weren't strategic. We were island hopping, you know, in the most violent and wasteful way possible. So, yeah, World War II is, is a fascinating study. But MacArthur, you know, was a, uh, a system maintainer. That's the way that's the way to be done. You know, I'm sure his father did it that way. And before then, that's how they fought wars, you know, piece by piece by piece, as opposed to creative thinking, cutting off the supply and ending the, uh, uh, the battle. What, what ended Nazi Germany, people, a lot of people don't know this was the taking of the Ploesti oil fields. That's where Senator Bob Dole got crippled. You know, Anzio, uh, that was in Italy, but it was on the way to the Ploesti fields, which I think are in Romania. That's where the Germans uh, got all their oil from. That's why they had to make synthetic uh, fuel, because uh, once the oil fields were taken, they had no fuel for the Luftwaffe or for the Panzer tanks. That's what ended the war, folks. They stole the fuel. <laughs> okay, we stole the fuel. So that's it. You're not gonna, you, know, you can't make a war without fuel. And uh, that's, that's, that's how it works. You've you got to have uh, metal, ammo, and fuel. And you, you, lose one, you lose the metal, you can't build the armaments. You, know, you lose the ammo, you, you can't fight. You lose the fuel, and you can't go anywhere. <laughs> okay, that's how you end a war. Same thing would have worked for Japan. All right. And to, to, to turn it there, unless it's Okay, so this is in conflicts. This is back to the article. In conflicts like those in Iraq and Afghanistan, where the application of overwhelming American firepower substitutes for tactics, tactics and strategy because there are no enemy armies, air forces, or air defenses to fight, the historic outcome is a collection of enormous headquarters manned with far too many generals or admirals. Even worse, the headquarters tend to fill up with the weak, untested but politically savvy senior officers or the PowerPoint Rangers, as the saying goes. Okay, this is a new term to me, PowerPoint Rangers. Okay, so I looked it up, and there's a couple of articles. This guy, Lawrence Sellin, uh, who I'm going to uh, probably uh, try, I'm gonna try and have on the show, but he calls them PowerPoint Rangers. In other words, everything's done in the military by these PowerPoint presentations, and if it works on the PowerPoint, it must work in real life. Well, that's just absurd. <laughs> that's irrational. That's insane to think about, but yeah, that's how they do it, right? Okay. So this is Iraq and Afghanistan, where the application of overwhelming American firepower substitutes for tactics and strategy. So, yeah, did we have a lot of arms in Iraq and Afghanistan? Sure we did. Tanks, airplanes, you know, but we did have a strategy. Well, who is the enemy? Well, the Taliban, that's the people. You know, the Taliban is everybody. You know, the Taliban is everybody who isn't Taliban outside Kabul or Kabul. So the Taliban is all the goat herders and all the folks in, the, you know, every little hamlet. You know, it's like in... Um, Vietnam, the Viet Cong. Who are the Viet Cong? Well, they're the people. 
North Vietnamese, South Vietnamese, they didn't care. They're still Vietnamese as far as they were concerned. You know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing that the, the ignorance and the, the arrogance and the, uh, uh, the, the, the World War I, make the world safe for democracy, Woodrow Wilson's claim, that these generals are still trying to make the world safe for democracy. Well, you don't make, you don't make democracy in Afghanistan or Iraq. You don't. And you, don't, you certainly don't do it by military. You might do it by persuasion, by, uh, um, by showing folks, hey, this is how freedom works for us. You know, not only is it good um, in terms of uh, laws, it's also good economically. Freedom works, okay? Freedom creates the best laws. Freedom, freedom creates the best economies. Freedom creates the, the most uh, clean environments. Freedom creates the strongest military. A volunteer military is far stronger than a draft military of, cons- of conscripts that don't want to be there. So for all these things, freedom works better than tyranny. Always has, always will. But most countries opt for tyranny because you get an elite in charge, elite core, and they have a bunch of idiots under them because they don't want to be threatened. And some of those idiots are in the military, and that's how it works. So let's go back to the PowerPoint Rangers. So we have our PowerPoint Rangers. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. So the article says the numbers, the numbers of four-star generals and admirals currently in the U.S. Armed Forces illustrates the problem. For a force of 1.1 million active-duty service members, the current U.S. Armed Forces are commanded by 40 four-star generals and admirals. admirals. So I'm not sure how the admiral works, brigadier, admiral, major, I don't know. Um, whatever it is, but there's four stars. So the admirals have four stars. That's the four grades. It's like, you know, fourth degree black belt. <laughs> okay. So four-star generals and four-star admirals are the top. They are the top. And we have 40 of them. Well, that's fascinating. This is for readers, this is back to the article, for readers who may think this command overhead is normal, they should know that for most of World War II, when there were 12.2 million Americans in uniform, the nation relied on seven four-stars to command the armed forces. Seven. We have 40 now. And we're not in a world war. We had seven then when we were at a world war, just to give you a, a comparison. And we did just fine. Well, except for Admiral King. He got, uh, he got uh, sort of shut out of it. Anyway, so the, the, the four stars were uh, Marshall, who was like commander supreme. I think it was actually a five star. So he was the overall allied commander was, was General uh, uh, Marshall. And then he had MacArthur. And then he had Eisenhower and Arnold. And they were the Army, Ground, and Air Forces uh, generals. And then he had uh, Admiral King, Admiral Nimitz, and Admiral Leahy for the naval forces. Admiral Leahy, a former chief of naval operations, served as President Roosevelt's senior military advisor who interpreted FDR's strategic guidance but held no designated command. That's what the article says. Now, is Admiral Leahy the father of Senator Patrick Leahy? I don't know. Wouldn't that be interesting? I doubt it because Patrick Leahy is such a liberal. I can't imagine that Admiral Leahy would have Patrick Leahy as a son. Just, I think they just share a name. But, you know, these are the things that come to mind. So that's it. Marshall, MacArthur, Eisenhower, Arnold, uh, King, Nimitz, and Lee ran World War II for the United States. 12.2 million Americans in uniform with a two-front world war, one in Europe, one in, in the Pacific. And he was 12 with seven guys. Okay? So now we have 40. We're not in a world war. Uh, it's just a fascinating thing. Anyway, so the article says, Marshall deliberately kept the numbers of four stars to a minimum, saying, quote, I don't have time to argue. <laughs> That's a really great line. It says, more than 77 years after World War II, it's time to reinstate Marshall's wise policy. The growth of numerous agencies, technical support organizations, and high-cost logistical and acquisition programs have driven the rank and experience required to command operational fighting forces into a very small corner. So in other words, the people who can win wars are being replaced by the, people that, by the bureaucrats. And that's usually how it works. This is not unusual. I think most countries do this. You know, World War I had bureaucrat armies. You had your aristocracy. You had your leaders at the top who would stupidly order men to their deaths, you know, riding horses and running into um, barbed wire and machine guns and artillery fire. Oh, brilliant. They did it for four years, proving it would uh, work. 
<laughs> it never did. It, what, isn't that the definition of insanity? <laughs> you know, repeating the same action and expecting a different result? No, it didn't work that way. So, in, in fact, by that definition, the military commanders in World War I were truly insane. They're insane for fighting the war in the first place. Because it wasn't going, once you got in the trenches, it wasn't going anywhere. You know, the nations just said, okay, stop. This isn't working. You know, we're just killing each other. Nobody's going nobody's to win here. We need to negotiate this. They should have sent the, the bureaucrat and said, look, just stop the war. Just go home. Just stop this nonsense. Nobody's getting anywhere. Millions of people, a million, like a million men died in the Somme in World War I. It's one battle. Um, you know, a couple of other places, same thing. And that's how it works. They just, they just died. Anyway, um, back to the article. So I want to make sure I finish this. I had like five articles I was going to talk about this hour. I got through one. All right. That, that's pretty normal for Action Radio. It says, Marshall's insistence on streamlined command and control, on simplicity of orders, and on unity of command is more relevant than ever. This is Marshall who ran uh, uh, basically World War II for the United States. He says, instantaneous, redundant space-based communications, surveillance, reconnaissance, intelligence, and missile technologies have brought profound change in the way military operations can be conducted. The next administration must revisit the 1947 National Security Act and the 1986 Goldwater-Nichols Department of Defense Reorganization Act. Guess what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> okay, at some point I'll get to that. This, the article says the 1947 National Security Act, let me brighten up my screen a bit. It's getting brighter in here. The 1947 National Security Act resulted from the victory in the Second World War. It was designed to harmonize all the U.S. Armed Forces' capabilities. Instead, it fostered bitter budget fights single-service thinking, and dug deeper ruts for the senior officers to follow. Goldwater Nichols, that would be Barry Goldwater, I'm sure. Gold, I don't know who Nichols is. Goldwater Nichols subsequently created a command structure that is no longer suited to the new multipolar international system. Okay, so this is fascinating. So uh, when they say single-service thinking, you know, there are many countries that don't have um, separate Army, Navy, Air Force, things like that, Marines, Space Force. They don't. Canada doesn't. Canada has the Canadian Armed Forces. So there is no competition between the services because there's only one service. That wouldn't be a bad idea here. Well, of course, it might mess up the Army-Navy football game. But other than that, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, there's some thinking for you. Why do you have a separate Army, separate Navy, and a separate Air Force? Why does the Air Force need uh, one version of the F-35? The, the Navy needs another version of the F-35. And the Army doesn't have an F-35, but they may want one. You know, we'll talk about the F-35 at some point, too. That is the greatest waste of money ever. The F-35 really encap- encapsulates the insanity of, uh, of the military-industrial complex and why they've made a weapon that doesn't work. It's all based on stealth, and stealth, as uh, Dr. Pryor showed us uh, and has been proven, stealth doesn't work. Any low-frequency, long-wave radar based on 1940 British World War II battle Britain designs can detect stealth aircraft. You know, I'm sure stealth aircraft show up on air traffic control. Oh, yeah, we see you. <laughs> but I'm a stealth aircraft. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We got you. And that's with other transponder. I'm going to check that out. I'll look that up, but I'm, I'm quite sure that's exactly what happens. Back to the article. The services expect, get, and spend a predetermined price piece of the funding pie, fostering waste and, redund- waste and redundancy. Too much force structure remains wedded to the World War II designs modified in 1947. New force designs and new technologies that could be exploited to streamline command and control and make operations more effective are excluded from consideration. Well, we haven't done it that way. We can't do it now. Other problems are caused by secretaries of defense, that would be Austin, (laughs) whose priorities were too often uh, being driven by the politics of apportioning money and technology to the, quote, right people or social engineering. engineering. That'd be the woke folks. And far less to the ruthless pursuit of building forces that can fight. And I would add and win. The Biden insurrection, my word, 
uh, divisive, racially charged policies and woke LGBT agenda may be the worst of these, given their impact on military morale, discipline, readiness, and recruiting. And the fact that they're weeding out all the leaders, all the good people, by making them take a, a COVID jab that's not a vaccine for a disease that won't affect them hardly at all, if at all, uh, and they're mandating something that is far more dangerous than the actual COVID itself. No wonder people are leaving. I would too. Anyway, article says, these points notwithstanding, the next administration's top priority must be a dramatic reduction in the four-star overhead and a commensurate reduction in the numbers of regional unified and functional commands. System maintainers can't do the job. I'll go back over those categories again. It's really interesting. It says, America's military future must be shaped by two kinds of generals and admirals, system creators and builders, those who can theorize and design, and those who can harness people and technology with the ability to lead and inspire. These are the desired attributes that transcend the drill field, the parachute jump, or the routine exercise. Once the overhead is substantially reduced, these are the leaders and the civilians in charge that populate the next administration must identify in the point. In a word, Alfred Thayer's Alfred Thayer Mahan's advice to the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, Theodore Roosevelt, remains valid. He said, no service can or should be expected to reform itself. So there you go. That's the article. And um, what I'm hoping is that these folks get their jobs back, that uh, Colonel Doug McGregor becomes Secretary of Defense or Chief of Staff. I don't know if he's going to go back to the military. I think he's retired. So I don't know if he can do that. And we still call him Colonel McGregor, though. But uh, could he be made... Uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff head. Could he be made Secretary of Defense? Absolutely. Could Josh Whitehouse, who was on the show, talked about his time as basically the, the swamp drainer from the Trump administration to the Pentagon. Could he get his job back and, and really do it? I hope so. I'm going to invite both these people back on. Um, both. In fact, I'll send him this article. Uh, I'm not this article. I'll send him this show with, uh, with what I talked about this first hour, which is pretty much it. All right, let me take a break. See if there's any time when we come back uh, before uh, uh, John Cullen gets here. And we shall see what's going on. Yeah, let me start. Uh, let's start here. This is the um, the promo I made, and I'm not, I'm not sure how it happened, but there's like a five second delay on it. That's what always screws me up. <laughs> so I'll do start it now and then play this one first, and it'll, it'll make more sense. We'll get uh, the rest of our sponsors, our affiliates, and uh, anything else that comes to mind for me to play uh, during this time. Yep, there's that delay. And here we go. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, 
Paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engine. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try, even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. 
Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, well, I could get into a whole big topic, but uh, we've only got about five minutes, and, and John's pretty prompt, so I'm sure he'll be here right at 9 o'clock, and then, of course, the mystery is what's going to happen at 10 o'clock, um, because I, I'm always worried when I haven't talked to people myself personally or, or communicated them with them personally before the show, and so I like to make sure they have the number, the times, everybody knows what's going on, and it was confirmed, and everybody's good, and away we go. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, Mike Clinch is going to come back and join us. He's a school teacher, earth science. Uh, is going to report on the further climate change absurdities. But um, something that's really kind of fascinating, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, and we'll probably talk about this more next week too, and definitely talk about it Friday with Derek Park, is, uh, who's our financial uh, uh, dude, uh, is the oil situation. And so this, this psychology is fascinating, that the left can't stand American oil. It's not that they don't like oil, they just don't like American oil. And they're willing to go anywhere to get it uh, except here. And it's like they can't, there's some kind of an ideological block that American oil is bad. And that if we simply get rid of American oil, we'll be forced to use wind and solar power. And that's, of course, we know it doesn't work. They, they don't. They want it to work. You know, and, and they're so convinced it's going to work. They're so convinced that their wishful thinking uh, is going to make something happen. It's, it's like metaphysics. If you believe it strongly enough, you know, it'll happen. Okay, well, I, I believe a lot of things really strongly, you know, but it doesn't mean they're going to happen. Okay, um, so we'll see. I believe I'm going to be flying a jet one day. Is it going to happen? I absolutely am convinced it will. Is it guaranteed? No. <laughs> you know, and, and that's how these things work. Anyway, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I can't believe, oh, throw it again. That's what happens when you talk for an hour straight. Um, stuff happens. So they hate American oil. The left hates American oil. They hate uh, uh, what we call renew, uh, not renewable. We call it uh, organic fuels now. They are organic. They're made of organic chemicals. You know, organic chemistry is based on carbon. Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, that's what organic chemistry is. So calling oil, which is an organic compound, it's a hydrocarbon, uh, and calling that uh, you know, an organic fuel is, is perfectly consistent with science and, and English definitions. So the organic fuels, oil, coal, natural gas, and uranium. Well, uranium is different. It's not, it's not organic in the sense that it's uh, the same as organic chemistry, but it is definitely an organic fuel. It comes from the earth. It's natural. Okay, it occurs here. The earth makes it. That makes it organic. It's, it's artificial, like GMOs and weird pesticides, genetically engineered, all that kind of, That's not natural. Okay. 
some of the natural things, uranium, coal, oil, and natural gas, are the, uh, are, are the fuels of the earth. They're the, they're the organic fuels. And so the left hates them for some reason, which I'm not quite sure. I mean, is, 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 this is, I mean, as much as I try and understand how the left thinks, I know they're driven by power. I know they have absurd dreams of utopia. I know that they, uh, they govern by wishful thinking, but this one's really out there. So they know, they know this nation runs on uh, organic fuel. You know, the power plants, the trucks, uh, the factories, uh, all the mechanical processes, uh, the plastics, the, the fertilizers, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the medicines. All these things come from organic fuels. All come from petroleum. Petroleum is amazing. You know, it's, it's a good thing that, uh, you know, God put it in the earth so we have it to use at this particular time in our history. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? That the one time when the, the, uh, the carbon cycle, carbon dioxide is at its lowest and carbon is the basis of all life, and carbon dioxide is the basis of plant life. That's what they breathe. That the one time that uh, in the earth when carbon dioxide was low, uh, the industrial re- revolution comes along burning organic fuels, which release carbon dioxide back into the air so the plants can breathe, make more plants and more food so we can have more people fed. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, I'll let you play with that one for a minute. But anyway, that's where we stand right now. And so we've, we've got this, uh, this, this incredible situation where the left hates it's like they don't even like science. They say they like science, but they don't. You know, climate change is, is a myth. It's made up stuff. It's based on wishful thinking, bad models, bad information, getting bad results. But the real climate science is that CO2 is part of the carbon change, chain and essential for plant life, and that putting CO2 in the air is a good thing. It's also true that the earth warms before carbon dioxide is produced. It's the warming earth that produces CO2, not the other way around. So the climate people will tell you that CO2, you know, causes warming. No. Warming, and the Earth does warm. It warms and it cools. It does all kinds of things. It's probably going to cool soon, which means a reduction of carbon dioxide, which means we need to put even more carbon into the air and burn even more organic fuel, you know, to keep up the carbon so the plants can breathe and make us food, okay? So that, that's how it works. Anyway, so they hate American oil. They stopped the Keystone Pipeline. They stopped drilling on all federal land. It's really state land. So the state should take it over, but they don't. But they can, Okay. They put so many regulations in place that the oil companies and gas companies can't drill. They've got so many uh, complications. They've ruined the supply chain. You know, they, they've uh, made gasoline so expensive the truckers can't move stuff. You know, in all these ways, and they've cut off the oil uh, leases, oil and gas leases. Oh, except on land where there is no oil and gas. They said, well, we, we, we released 7,000 leases last week. Yeah, well, there's nothing there. You know, so they purposely release leases where they know there's nothing there. They block off shore drilling except way out where it's really dangerous. You know, they block Anwar in Alaska, and I've been up to Anwar. I flew right next to it. I'm on my way to the Anaktuvik Pass, you know, Piper Navajo, a little eight-passenger uh, twin-engine Piper. We also flew it about 200 feet, too. <laughs> Go scare the caribou. That's another story. Um, but I was there. I saw the Anwar. You know what's up there? Nothing. Literally. It's tundra. A lot of wide-open space and a few tiny wells. You couldn't even tell it was there. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know it was there. You know, so it's not this, this huge oil derrick gusher ruining the landscape, oil spilled all over. No, it's not that. It's very clean, actually. Anyway, but they cut off our supply of American oil and then wonder why the price went up. Well, the price goes up. Well, they knew it was going to. In fact, they said it was going to, but I don't think they were expecting the reaction of the American people to go, you idiots, you morons, you've raised the price of everything. Because when you raise the price of, of gasoline, you raise the price of everything that gasoline does. Transportation, industrial production fertilizer, plastics, and the price of everything goes up. 
All right. Well, then the price, so, so supply and demand. If you reduce the supply, you increase the demand. The price goes up for whatever's left of the supply. Well, that's how it works, right? That was the first punch. The second punch was all that idiotic spending, the, the vast, incredible amounts of spending, uh, the multi-trillion dollars worth of spending that, um, you know, caused inflation. Because when you spend, when the government spends, then they have to borrow to be able to spend that money. So if they have a $1 trillion expenditure above revenues, well, they got to they gotta borrow the money to, to pay for it. And what they do when they borrow, they have to print the money to cover the loan. And that money reduces the, the value of the dollar. That's what inflation is. And when the dollar is reduced in value, prices go up so that the price reflects the value of the product or service being produced and delivered. That essentially is inflation. So you combine a reduction of energy with uh, an increase in spending, you get massive inflation and you get shortages in supply. And that's where we are right now. And so they run around scrambled because ideologically they cannot get past the fact that they don't want American oil or natural gas or uranium or coal. So they don't want American resources being used because they hate this country. So they, they want to put us on this, on this utopian energy path. Well, it's not working for Europe. It's not working for us. So on this ridiculous path of these different things to try and get um, you know, their, their ideal society where we all live in these little smart growth communities. I found out Milton has a smart growth policy. I'm going to talk about that soon, too. That's in the works, as they say. I never talk about a show right away. I, I usually think about it for maybe a week or two, and then so that's why you get these long dissertations now, and I don't have to look up anything because it's already in my head. Anyway, we'll talk about smart growth later. That's environmental wackoism, too. So anyway, so the left wants these little planned communities, smart growth, where they're, they're, they're crowded, lots of people in one place, so that the, uh, the government transportation and the government housing and the government jobs and the government entertainment, the government food, and it's all self-contained. This is ideal little, you know, uh, civil engineered, urban planned utopia that, of course, doesn't work because nobody wants to live like that. Only government people. <laughs> and they don't even live like that. They live in suburban Virginia, and they want it for everybody else. So... They don't want the oil. They don't want the energy. They don't want your freedom. So no single-family homes, no single-driver cars, no single trips, no freeways open to anybody, no going wherever you want when you want. They just they can't stand that. But they know that America needs that. In order to get the prices down, you know, they're willing to uh, get oil from anywhere else. So in other words, oil is not bad, just American oil. That's why they mind bringing in oil from everywhere else. You know? And then they don't mind spending the oil that's already here that Trump bought. You know, our strategic petroleum reserve. So they don't mind using our oil as long as we don't drill for it. So corporations can't make a profit and people can't buy it at a reasonable price. There's nothing about profit. Companies making profits lower the price because they increase the supply. So what do you care if a company makes a, a ridiculous profit if the price for you is low? doesn't matter. You know, would you be happier if the, if the, the price were, uh, I don't know, if companies didn't make a profit and the price was still low, it doesn't matter. The price is still low. If the price were high, would you, would you and the company made no profit, would that make you happy? <laughs> I don't think so. so. So the thing for you is the price is low. I'm surprised John hasn't checked in. Let me check my email here and see what's going on with, uh, uh, let's see what's going on here. Okay. All right. Uh, actually, let me, let, me, let me send John an email. I said, you are supposed to be now. 9 a.m. Central. 9 a.m. Central. And let, me, let me just send that to him. And the, so that's why he's not here. 
okay. So, uh, so, so if that's the case, let me send another email. I'm starting to do emails while I'm here. Let me play something here for a couple of minutes. What, what can I? What can occupy you for for a couple of minutes of of interesting fun here? I'll play one of my one of my many pieces. That uh, one of my, you know what I haven't done for a while. Now that we're hitting getting into October, we're into that Christmas season. <laughs> so I'm playing my my Christmas season greeting. This is this is one I made like three years ago, back in the middle of the the blockades. So let me see if I can find that for you. And then I got to email John. This is what happens to you, live radio. And I will have a producer soon. We're working on that. Just a matter of time. Yeah, this will keep me busy for a couple of minutes. So this is what I'm going to play up until Christmas. And so get you in that Christmas spirit of lockdowns and COVID bureaucracy. I have this for you. Let's see if it works. Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again. So here is just a friendly little message from your Action Radio revolutionaries. In preparation for Christmas and New Year's, we have just a few ideas and suggestions to make your holiday complete. Granted, these are times of adversity brought about by bureaucrats in what we affectionately call the leftist lockdown orgasmic power trip. But don't let a completely illegal, martial law style abdication and removal of your constitutional rights get in the way of a decent glass of eggnog with friends. After all, six-foot social distancing is a completely false concept for a virus that can linger in the air for hours in aerosol form, can be sneezed well over 200 feet, can travel through an entire 10-story building central air system in a couple of minutes, and goes through a mask like a mosquito through a chain-link fence. So, no matter what you do, everyone is getting exposed sometime. Leaving the healthy people alone accomplishes this in about 10 weeks. So, this should have been done the end of May. Speaking of masks, besides being a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against seizure of your person, in this case, your face, without due process, the state can't make you wear a mask. So, go home if you're sick, but if not, go free face, as all real Americans are doing, and enjoy the Christmas season. Apparently, there is a deplorable lack of New Year's resolutions this year. Well, I have one, hmm, to resist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to restore and rejuvenate that inner rugged individual the left has tried so hard to put behind a mask and lockdown, and I'm going to resist. So, you find a creative way to resist, there's your revolution resolution. Remember, folks, those Twilight Zone episodes where people wore masks? They were supposed to make you think, not make you copy them. Family values should be emphasized this Christmas with the traditions that bind us together. Sit as close as you can at dinner. Remember those wet kisses from Grandma when you were a kid? Engage in spirited debates. Don't forget to use serving dishes where everyone sticks their own personal fork and spoon in, all in the interest of sharing. Remind everyone that closing churches violates the First Amendment. Closing businesses without criminal convictions violates our Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property. And closing schools denies our kids their right to an education. So, you may want to point that out to your governors and mayors this festive season so they understand their transgressions and can repent. I would have suggested you go to New York this year, but quite frankly, they don't have the balls to celebrate New Year's. (laughs) No, really, the ball isn't dropping. Maybe we should rename Times Square Tiananmen Square West. Remember that there are many great gifts you can share this Christmas, particularly AR-15s and AK-47s. Those tend to warm the heart. As we say at Action Radio, world peace through strength. Just remember that everything the government tells you is wrong. So if you want to avoid COVID, don't take the vaccine. 
go to the beach instead. Get that sunshine and vitamin D. Stay away from home. Engage in commerce and business. Travel as much as you can. Work out at crowded gyms. Drive extensively, preferably with the windows open. Patronize businesses that are in open rebellion. And resist, resist, resist the Dr. Dictatorship. In closing, let me just say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. Muslims, you don't have a holiday at this time, so just go eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve and meet some really nice Jewish folks. Hey, they might be your neighbors. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. And now that I have your attention, um, so it looks like John's going to join us in the next hour. So uh, uh, I'm sure will, we'll, we'll talk about this. He was supposed to be uh, 9 o'clock Central. And this, is happen- this happens a lot of times. It's sort of the 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock Central Eastern time thing, the, the, the East Coast time continuum. So that's okay. Uh, this is why I don't worry about stuff on Action Radio because I always have stuff to cover. Um, I haven't played that that piece for for a while well not since last year and so yes i'm proud to say that i am the first person to play a christmas announcement you know in october <laughs> because i could and because i haven't heard it for a while i was kind of curious to uh, uh hear what it said all right so let's get back to our theme so our theme is the incompetent military the bureaucratic military and all the other problems that we have here and uh we shall go with this uh article well, actually i got somebody i think i know who that is i think i think in fact i think that's uh, hang on just a second here folks let me yeah, – I'm going to take a chance. I think I recognize that number. I could be hey, wrong. Greg, we'll find out Judy. Hey, Judy. How you doing? Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was your number. So I, I'm, I'm trusting my memory, but I was right this time. So, yeah, so we're, we're supposed to have Dr. Stella Emanuel in the next hour. And so, right. so uh, I'm going to listen to the first hour and do some work. Well, we're supposed to have John Cullen this hour. <laughs> so, John Goode. I know. It's, yeah. It's an East Coast, West Coast. There's something about the central time zone, East time zone. And I think he's on the West Coast anyway. He's where you are. He's on your side of the country. Is he? Well, I'm actually on the East Coast. Oh, okay. Well, that's why you're awake now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, let's, let's get an update. Tell me, we've got a couple minutes. Tell me what you're doing, and then I can tell you about military incompetence. <laughs> military incompetence. Well, I'm, uh, I'm working on um, just... Um, basically all the solutions for the problem. So focusing on the various um, repurposing of drugs, things we can do, getting all the stop shots stopped. Um, And, you know, we're just driving. We were supposed to be presenting at a ChiroFest, a chiropractic meeting today in Orlando that got that got moved to January, so um, moving on to the healing, um, you know, working working with Mickey, working with Dale, working with everybody to try and, you know, just stop the shots and and get and stop the poisoning, I should say, where there's glyphosate poisoning, other other forms of genetically modified organisms injected or ingested. So and then we're just, you know, really zeroing in on things like we've got the solutions for this. We've got solutions like cardio miracle nutritional solutions on I'm preparing. We're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do a webinar with uh I think it's Josh Yoder who's the uh, um military, um mm-hmm. flyers who were hurt. We were in Destin um with with um Jojo and the and the team down there 
at Oakland Air Force Base, you know, trying to get the solutions to these guys because, you know, the people that took the shots, the people being shed upon, you know, we know there's a problem. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter whether they planned it or not, but we know that happened too. We're just trying to move on to the solution, and, and they're all here, um, and they've been here all along. So instead of fighting each other, we're just we're getting these people the healing they need and getting these kind of more healing talks out there. Of, okay, here's what you do if you if you want to try this nutritional support supplement it for the myocarditis, the cardio miracles, just fabulous with two publications on how it increases the production of vitamin D, you know, how it, um, you know, you lose weight, you get everything, the minerals working well and the vitamin D working well and everything is synergy. And I, I, that's my whole, my whole life is taking advantage of synergies, um, appreciating the pathogenesis, how things cause disease, but knowing or contribute, I should say, to disease, but fixing it. So that's why I want to tune in and hear Stella Emanuel, and I always love to hear John and you, so uh, that's what we're up to. So the doctor's panel that ended is restarting <laughs> for today, for an hour. Well, yeah, that's we didn't cool. actually end it. We just, we just, I'm just listening in as far as, yeah, we're, that's what Stella does, and that's what we all do. Um, and and that, that doctor's panel, the, the docs on the right side of history is our, mm-hmm. still that channel with Ben Marble, Ryan Cole, um, lots and lots of doctors, Deborah Viglione. They're all, they're all here, and we're all still out here working on it. Um, and that's why I thought, well, as long as I'm reading papers, I can listen in and, and, and add, to my, add to what I present. Today. Okay. Well, I'll give you something a little different then uh, for this case, because I was talking about uh, uh, this couple of people I had on before on the show. You might have seen Colonel McGregor. Um, on uh, Fox News with Tucker Carlson. He's uh, probably the, the most intelligent uh, critic of the military and the greatest analyst right now of what's going on in Ukraine. And so it, it's, it, his you know, things he's telling us are completely different than the mainstream news. And the other person on the article is Josh uh, Whitehouse, both of them have been on the show. So I want to get him back because this is an interest of mine, being sort of an amateur military historian. <clears throat> so uh, I always get into these things. And I might even get into the F-35 and other, you know, wastes of time like stealth and stuff like that. So not your specialty, but that's the fun of the show. I hear birdies. You got crows yeah. back there? <laughs> that's great. Oh, yeah, it's so. beautiful where we are. We're oh, in good. Wilmington, North Carolina. It's a beautiful sunny day. And, oh, um, unfortunately, I'm sitting in a chair instead of walking on the beach, but I'm still yeah. sitting in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Duty calls. So do you want to mute yourself or because I can leave your line live if you want to, you know, come back at any time. But if you want to mute it, okay, then, uh, then, I, then I can just rant. Let me just rant for a while and then we'll get as soon as John comes in. He might be a few minutes late. And the other, the other issue before you go, uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel, I haven't been able to contact with her folks. Josie uh, organized this last night late in the church. So I haven't heard from them. So it's not official. That's why I say if she's not here then something got complicated or, or they never got the word to me or who knows what. So this is one of those great moments in, in anticipation on radio. <laughs> we think it's going to happen, but I'm not entirely sure. So we'll sort of go from there. Okay. okay. Me, uh, so, right. so, so meet yourself, I'll please. Mute, and then, can rant. And then, and then I'll rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll mute you rant. Got it. Because <laughs> 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 we don't have fun here. Okay. Okay. And so, like and I say, drop back if you find uh, something interesting. Again, it's, it's always fun to hear about things that people aren't experts in. And that's the thing about it being a host, right. you know, a talk show host. You're the ultimate generalist. And so that's how that goes. Right. So back to my articles here. This is one I found in Wired. Uh, apparently, there was somebody 
in the Afghan uh, conflict, uh, this uh, Lawrence Sellin, S-E-L-L-I-N, that wrote an incredibly critical article of what he calls the PowerPoint Rangers. And these are the military people that try to do everything by PowerPoint. That they, they make their, their speeches, their statements, their meetings, and it looks great on paper, but in actuality, uh, we were at war for 20 years, and I still can't think of the reason. So my greatest regret is all those that, that went and served, and God bless them for going, but uh, you know, the, those that uh, came back uh, who were killed in action, who came back you know, with all the injuries, traumatic brain injuries, uh, uh, various chemicals, burn pit, everything else that happened to them, plus the jabs. You know, I don't know if they're still doing the Gulf War jab, but uh, there's no reason for the things that are happening in our military. And I've always said, and I know that a lot of people will conflict with this, but you'll hear all the time that, uh, you know, they think, well, who's fighting for our freedom? Well, the military is. Well, yes, they are, but there's a lot more fights for freedom. And the real fight for freedom, uh, what Judy's doing. You know, what we're trying to do at Action Radio with our legislation, what people all over the country are doing uh, to, to try and, and take the, the Marxism out of our government and get back to what we're supposed to be, which is a free country. So this article says, uh, <laughs> U.S. officer in Afghanistan mows down PowerPoint Rangers. Uh, and this is from Wired. It's taken from a UPI article, which I could not find. So I couldn't get the original, which I normally like to do. So it says, are you an aspirin-gulping staff officer who suffers migraines because of the military's over-reliance on PowerPoint presentations? Ever wanted to walk out of a pointless briefing because PowerPoint substitutes for critical thinking? It sounds like an ad. I could do this. A colonel at NATO headquarters in Kabul is your new patron saint. In an epic rant, which I tend to like to do myself, published by United Press International, which I can't find, Lawrence Salin, and that's S-E-L-L-I-N. Now, he's got a whole bunch of articles. I want to get this guy on the show. Then he has an organizational chart, Afghan Stability. <laughs> You've got to see this article. Uh, I, I'll, uh, I, I don't know this one. I, I, tried to, I think I tried to post this one. It didn't work. They wouldn't let me post it. There's a couple of ones I have today that, that I'm not able to post. But this is, imagine a bowl of spaghetti. All right. And imagine that that bowl of spaghetti, spaghetti is an organizational chart. Okay. And there's all kinds of like little landmark things within that bowl of spaghetti, little labels, tiny little labels all over it. That's what this chart looks like. Okay. It is hysterical. So then they repeat the first paragraph. So let me continue on. And this is the article on Wired. Let me see who wrote this one. Does not. Oh, Spencer Ackerman. So, so Spencer Ackerman took the UPI article that I can't find, which obviously he did. Uh, unless he is a her, and, and wrote a critique of it, which is hysterically funny. So Spencer Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, uh, in Wired, uh, and it was August 26th of 2018. So this is a little bit older, but, or is that 2010? 2010. Oh, same problem. The war went on for 20 years, so, you know, obviously nothing's changed. And then he said, and then uh, Spencer says, in an epic rant published by United Press International, that is UPI, Lawrence Sellin, an Army Reserve colonel, on his second tour in Afghanistan. Don't you love how they call him tours? Where, where are you on tour? I'm going on tour to Afghanistan. You know, it's like battle conflicts. You know, you're going after goat herders and their five-year-old wives. I mean, this is just, it's a, does anybody really think, honestly, that this is where the, the fight for freedom is with these people? They've been at war with each other for centuries. No, this is not the place we should have been. And yet, the permanent war class, those that always have to have us at war somewhere so we can borrow money, make military things, test our weapons, and do whatever it is the permanent war class wants to do to feel good, you know, when they, they, I guess it's like, you know, bombs put them to sleep at night. You know, most people count sheep over a fence. These guys count B-52s. Whatever it is, they are a sick class of people, and they should not be in government. And yet they are, headed up by John Bolton, you know, the Bush family, uh, the Clinton family, uh, with the, the Obama family, all the families that, that, that control the, the, the globalist families that keep us at war in places just because they want to keep us at war in places. Back to the article. Selen serves on a staff I guess he was still there at this time in 2010, serves on the staff of the, he was kicked off, by the way, 
<laughs> I found later articles. Selen serves on the staff of the International Security Assistant Force Joint Command, or the IJC. The organization formed last year to oversee the war's day-to-day operations. Wait a minute, I've been going for 10 years at this point. Then they formed the day-to-day operations thing? That's typical military. Then it says General David Petraeus has praised IJC, that makes sense, as a key move to, quote, get the right organizational structures in place. Colonel Sellen considers it a waste of time. I'm with him. Inside AGC, the war, quote, consists largely of the endless tinkering with PowerPoint slides to conform with the idiosyncrasies of cognitively challenged generals in order to spoon feed them information. (laughs) I don't don't have to make up comedy. This guy is brilliant. He says every one tiny flaw in a slide can halt a general's thought processes as abruptly as a computer system's blue screen of death. Not that he's complaining or anything. Each day is guided by the battle rhythm which is a series of PowerPoint briefings and meetings with PowerPoint presentations. Selwyn continues. I mean, I can see this happening. You know, I, do you guys remember, who was it? Um, uh, Schwarzkopf. I think it means blackhead in German, right? So General Schwarzkopf. Yeah, no, don't say that. Sorry. I mean, he's an American general. I'm teasing. I do that sometimes. Anyway, so Schwarzkopf would get up. Storm and Norman. So Storm and Norman would get up these briefings. In fact, the Gulf War was full of briefings. They were briefing all the time. Now I know what he's talking about. And this is in 2010. So this is years later, right? So you go back, you go back in your memory banks and you remember all these briefings. But I didn't realize that's what they did all day. I thought that was for our benefit, that they had these little PowerPoint things. Apparently, they use PowerPoints for themselves, too. You can win a war with PowerPoints. You can't win a war with a schematic. <laughs> okay, you actually have to get in and do it and see what's going on. See, that's why Schwarzkopf was so good. Schwarzkopf was good because he actually was a fighting general. He was with the troops, got out there, he did his job, as opposed to General Milkhouse Milley, who probably has never seen a combat uh, day in his life, um, who calls his counterpart in China you know, in a treasonous act defying President Trump because he wants to make sure that China knows what Trump is doing you know, in an absolute defiance of his, his role as commanding our military forces and could have gotten millions of them killed. So he shouldn't be there, yet that's the kind of person who's there. So think of Gen- General Milley and his PowerPoints and his tea, and, uh, and his sort of, you know, and his crumpets, you know, before his meeting with his general staff, you know, discussing more things that, that they're going to discuss. So they had to plan their meetings. And this is how this works, right? Back to the article. Selen continues, it doesn't matter how inane or useless the briefing or meeting might be. Once it is part of the battle rhythm, it is the persistence of carbon-14. I'll have to have Judy explain that when she wants to. And this is Christian Blauer. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. There we go. I'm not sure. Carbon-14, that's probably a uh, Judy, when you can, <laughs> drop a hint of a carbon fourteen. Anyway, it's good. Judy and I talked about the carbon cycle on one of our great doctors' panels, and then he says, "How pointless is the so-called commander's update assessment? The commander doesn't bother to show up, but a phalanx of colonels has to attend. There's even a high school-esque roll call. General Milkos Millie, uh, present. Briefers rotely articulate what they project for the room in PPT slides. I'm not. Sure. I guess that's PowerPoint. Is that the abbreviation for PowerPoint PPT? Then why don't they just call it PP? <laughs> I guess that's rude for some reason. Don't ask me why. Uh, do you have the PP? Yes, we do, but it's not the PPT. Okay, fine. All right. <sighs> I amuse myself too. This is why I do the show. It, it keeps me going as well. Anyway, so it says slides using a tone of voice, not unlike that of a, congression, a congressman caught in a tryst with an escort. <laughs> uh, I, can just, I can hear that voice too. He says one and two star generals try to stay awake. The briefing slides only change, only change when a new commander arrives or the war ends. Guess which comes first? <laughs> yeah, the new commander. And it says, the next month, the IJC will adjust its organizational structure yet again, Sullen writes. 
<laughs> Why don't they just say selling rights and then give me the whole quote? And they always had to break it up. And, you know, we knew who was talking anyway. The article says he doesn't really describe what the new structure will be, likening it instead to placing a stovepipe for information within another stovepipe. Well, there you go. I've got a secret. I know more than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got power. Well, if knowledge is power, then secrecy is even more powerful. But the thing is, secrecy actually has to be based on something. If the secrecy is based on not knowing anything, this, the whole, the, the, if the dirty little secret is that there is no secret, there's nothing to base it on, but you still have power because it's the dirty little secret, and people think you do have a secret. It's fascinating how the psychology of all this works. All right. So the rationale for this bold move resides in the fact that an officer who is currently without one needs a staff of 35 people to create a big splash before his promotion board. Yes, people reinforcing people, doing the jobs of other people to reinforce those people too. It's from the Department of Redundancy, Department, Department. Stalin, back to the article, probably feels alone. Throughout my career, I have been known to walk that fine line between good taste and unemployment. <laughs> well, I know the unemployment side of it. I don't know if I even crossed the good taste part myself. He says he begins with his therapeutic rant by way of explanation, but he surreptitiously surveys his officers. He might find a resistance taking shape. Yeah, who are the people in the military that actually object to this? Those are the heroes. They're probably the ones who are leaving. Not just from the, from the COVID uh, snake oil jab, but just because the military is incompetent right now. Uh, God help us if we get in a real war. I mean, a real war, like a World War II real war. Not talking about an Iraq or Afghanistan or, a, or Ukraine. I'm talking about a real war with Russia, for example, which could very easily happen. Back to the article. H.R. McMaster, the one-star army general who pacified the Iraqi city of Tal Afar, bashed PowerPoint to the New York Times earlier this year. Oh, we got another good reformer. Saying it is risky, no, he says, saying it is rinky-dink slideshow uh, saying its rinky-dink slideshow can create the illusion of understanding and the illusion of control. James Mattis, a four-star Marine general, has said straight out that the, that PowerPoint makes the military stupid by reducing the complexities of war to animated bullet points. PowerPoint actually deprives officers of information instead of helping them, he argued. A healthy debate in the, bi- the blogosphere, briefly followed by the revelation that Major General Michael Flynn, the military's top intelligence official in Afghanistan, is a PowerPoint hater. Okay, this is fascinating. Now, remember, this is 2010. So let's go back a little bit. General Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis, that's the one that Trump brought in singing his praises, was going to reform the military, was going to get us out of stupid wars, and did exactly the opposite. So this is early Mattis. This is like a preview of Mattis. It's fascinating. General Michael Flynn, you should know who that is. He was head of of Trump's national security. He was the national security uh, advisor and, and head. What happened to Flynn? He's the one, I think, that told Trump he was being spied on. So he couldn't have that. So they demonized Flynn and got rid of him. Okay, I think they arrested him. They, they, uh, they, they did an entrapment FBI operation to get rid of him because he knew too much. So that's why Flynn should be back heading up. He should be either attorney general or head of the FBI when Trump comes back in 2024. So here's back to the article. McMaster is now a top planning officer in Afghanistan. Mattis leads the U.S. Central Command. Is the momentum shifting? Well, I think they were going in the right direction. But as we know now, once uh, Obama and the Brandon insurrection you know, really screwed things up, uh, the only aberration was Trump. And they tried to reform things. These two people here that wrote the earlier article, Colonel Doug McGregor and Josh Whitehouse, tried to fix and drain the military swamp. But they're going to have to start all over again, you know, because Brandon has brought in all the bad people, all the idiots, all the bureaucrats, all the, the yes men. You know, yes men that say yes to everything. Yes, sir. Yes, everything's great. Everything's fine. Ukraine's going great. Yep, don't worry about it. Yeah, a little more money. It'll all be solved. Yep, we're doing fine. The economy's great. You know, the inflation, uh, the hyperinflation act uh, worked just fine. Yep, no inflation, sir. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, hard to say, uh, the last paragraph says, hard to say, the key persuadable figure is Petraeus himself. 
a thrall to the siren song of Microsoft's presentation program. As head of the U.S. Central Command, Petraeus, that's General Petraeus, uh, brought his PPT slides to every public appearance he gave, describing as a general's First Amendment right. But in mil- I don't think the military has a First Amendment. Well, we'll talk about that later. The battle against PowerPoint clearly runs through Petraeus's office. For the, insur- for the insurgency to succeed, it can't merely replace PPT with Keynote. So there we go. So my question then is going to be, you know, when Judy gets back on the line uh, at the top of the next hour, uh, is how much PowerPoint was there? You look at the briefings that uh, Dr. Fascist and Burks and uh, Redfield and all the other health Nazis gave, you know, during the, 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 the COVID imaginary uh, crisis that they caused. Um, they're all PowerPoint. You know, they had all these different things and, and they always had these little, little definitions and shows. It's like a show. So PowerPoint becomes a show. It's really scary the way this works. And you've got to get past the propaganda or you're never going to understand what's going on. You just aren't. Okay, I've been talking way too much this show, so I'm going to play another amusing thing out of my sarcastic repertoire here. So uh, for those, uh, you know, for Judy and everybody else listening in, during the lockdown, uh, I did not get angry. I got creative. And I made some rather interesting pieces, one of which I played earlier, the, the, the Christmas one. Let me see what I haven't. I've got the, I've always, I played the New Year Normal Church uh, and... Um, grocery store enough times. Let me try. I haven't done Chaz for a while. Let's, let's play Chaz. This will be highly insulting uh, to a whole bunch of people, mostly liberals. Um, I'll, I'll save the January white sale, you know, where, where white people get sold again. I'll save that one for another day. Let me see. Where can I find? Here's Chaz. So let's occupy you for a few minutes, and then I'll be back. Ah, Seattle. Time to visit again, or for the first time. No matter how many times, you'll never forget this visit to Seattle. Watching the sun set on the west coast, the guitarists on the street corners, people walking, hanging around the many cafes and art enclaves, just taking it all in. From Pike Place Market to the first Starbucks to the whales in Puget Sound and views of Mount Rainier, there is nothing like Seattle. And now you can watch the sunsets glistening off the broken glass in the streets, various styles of bottles used for Molotov cocktails, fashion statements made with creative body armor, the use of improvised weapons, the never-ending art forms painted on every building, particularly the man parts, and the beautiful sound of voices in unison, expressing their fondest wishes and desires for your life and property. So how can you visit this enchanted never-never land of the Northwest during their summer of love? Snowflake Tours has teamed up with the Seattle Board of Economic Development, Tourism, and Riot Promotion to extend the warmest of welcomes to our latest attraction, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, affectionately known as Chaz. Soon to be called CHOP, but we like Chaz better. If you think Disneyland is a good time, it's nothing compared to Chaz. Chaz being an autonomous nation within the United States, protected by the Seattle Mayor and City Council, you can't just walk in like illegal aliens at our southern border. This is because there is a wall and guards openly carrying firearms in order to maintain the security of this new fledgling nation. So, there is a procedure to gain access. Snowflake Tours has made this an escorted tour for your safety, and so you'll be surrounded by people who look like you. White people will have an Antifa tour guide direct from their mommy's basement. But don't worry, they can protect you because they are fully indoctrinated and trained with the latest techniques of mayhem and street combat. Black people will be escorted by a member of Black Lives Matter. Fresh from riots across the country and funded by Amazon and other mega corporations, with their training and experience, you couldn't be in better hands. And of course, they speak black. Take in the wonders of Chaz while you are there. You can warm yourself by the burning book piles, 
feel the camaraderie as you are swept up in a march or rally, get a brief audience with our warlord, but not for too long, and be sure to make an offering. A blank check, signed, is preferred. Don't worry about the police, there aren't any, which is fine because there aren't any laws either. Businesses and attractions may not be there when you get there, depending on the needs of the people. The unique feature of this tour is that rather than enjoy the things that are already there, on this tour it's what you bring to the table that counts. Money, supplies, there is a whole provision list of things like food, water, batteries, jewelry, and other commodities of exchange to choose from in donation to keep Chaz a people's paradise. On this vacation, you show up with full suitcases and leave with empty ones. That's what makes this tour so special. Chaz, a new nation, a new concept, coming to a liberal city near you. Oh, the fun we have here. <laughs> I'm, I'm scrambling for buttons right now. I was like, where did my button go? <laughs> so we got Judy Mikevitz on hold. We got me here right now. And Judy's saying to herself, what the hell did he just play? <laughs> That's what makes it fun. She'll be back at the top of the hour. Oh, you are there. Yeah. Did you like that piece? Wasn't that fun? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I was laughing as I filed 50,000 PowerPoints into a single folder that I've given over the last <laughs> Well, do you, do you find the PowerPoint... Uh, you see it too. You see it at the conventions. You see it at the the doctors. But uh, all these the health Nazis and the the public health departments they all do this. They all do, and what is this power? Well, that's PowerPoint? what we all do. Oh, okay. Um, it's a Microsoft Office document. Um, so it's a Microsoft way of presenting papers. Like you go take screenshots or you show slide figures. Um, you know the the literature supporting what you're saying when you're giving mm-hmm. when you're giving a talk. You know, so when I'll make a different PowerPoint. Um, to fit the audience, depending on whether they want legal or scientific. I'll go all the way back to the first PowerPoints in 2009. Oh, the one I gave about the blood supply being contaminated, um, New York Academy of Sciences, you know, so that we have these PowerPoints. They can't make them go away. That means we told you. We told you the blood supply was contaminated. We told you these recombinant viruses you've been constructing in the lab and injecting in things you're calling vaccines that are, in fact, thinly veiled bioweapons. We showed you the data of how they were going to get neuroimmune disease, meaning neurological dysfunction, autism, Parkinson's disease, lupus, Alzheimer's. You know, we showed you the mechanism down to that really horrific thing I do, which is the cell sensors and and how they've uh, how they've targeted certain epigenetic and genetic um, abilities, like oh, hey, black people, that black people make much more vitamin D, um, uh-huh. so um, because they're exposed to much more sunlight, so they have to have resistors in the sensors so that they don't they don't over control or over inflame those 600 reactions controlled by vitamin D in your immune system. Oh, Hmm. so that's how we make black people more susceptible to RNA viruses because they're more worried. Their immune systems, you know, they don't care. They're the strongest immune systems in the world to a little old RNA virus that'll degrade in about 10 seconds if Hmm. it's exposed. That's why we have to create, mRNA that doesn't break down the way God does and uh, has us do because we're the strongest in the world where the parasites don't get in the cells. They're big for the, you know, so they destroy your red blood cells. So we got the parasites. We got the purinergic modulation. That means ATP, 
energy outside the cell is a danger signal. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just putting together the PowerPoints to say, hey, everybody, we've had all the solutions. Here are the papers. 1972, we described pure energetic modulation. 19, you know, what what year did I do it? 1992 were the first experiments. We, we showed that the on-off switch of our endogenous viruses, endogenous means God-given, in your genome. Oh, okay. In your genome. Exogenous means exo, came from the outside. Well, the, the xenotropic um, gamma retroviruses are foreign. They're foreign, they're synthetic, they're mouse manufactured or monkey. And yeah, every single vaccine contains the endogenous virome of the animal or other human cell line you put it in. So if you inject a boatload, I mean, these are not the first mRNA vaccines. We put mRNA, DNA, uh, and protein from cows, dogs, monkeys, um, birds, uh, let's see, other humans in the aborted fetal cell line. So your immune system is going to say, this is not me. And it's going to start spitting out ATP in order as signaling molecule, ATP is your energy, you know, ATP energy. And so it's going to spit out the energy and energy outside the cell is a danger associated molecular pattern because you need the energy in your cell, in the mitochondria, given your muscles energy, the most systems in your body with, um, with my, the most mitochondria are found in your brain, your heart, in your muscle. Oh, long haul COVID, which would be myalgic encephalomyelitis or uh, lupus or any of the so-called autoimmune disease, you don't attack yourself. You're trying to say too much non-self, too much non-self, and you send out so much ATP that it totally suppresses parts of your immune system and your mitochondria absolutely can't function, can't make more energy, and all your energy is outside the cell trying to save you. So your muscles shut down first. You start falling down. You get weakness of the leg, of the muscle, of whatever you can't do your sport. If you If you power on and keep running, then your brain stops functioning and you get confused. Um, and, um, you know, the last thing is you have a heart attack. Um, so the pilots are particularly susceptible because they take a ton of oxidative stress as they fly above the ozone layer. And everybody in an airplane that is pressurized to a 8,000-foot mountain you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to be gasping for oh, air I told you to that. fly in the world Remember? to wear a mask. Yeah, <laughs> that was my flight instructor training. Mask, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah when, we, yeah, when we started this whole BS about the mask, I said, sure, I'll wear that mask. But I won't <laughs> wear oh, the one feeding me oxygen, but I won't wear any other one. And, of course, then I wore the silver mask, and they beat me up because that might actually work. So we know the game. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to find the solutions. I'm tired of you know, let it keep their trying to oh, she said this and that's not true and she said that. You know, I don't care. Um, the, the people who listen to us are getting well. Their hair is growing back. I don't care if you say I sell vitamins or anything else. I'm actually giving you nutrition. You've been poisoned over the last um, four decades, starting with Twiggy and the fake fat. 
that made your in the statins. We've gone over this before. So mm-hmm. all I'm doing now is just we have so many solutions and people are doing so fabulously on adding a simple powder, food, clean amino acids, swamp out the glyphosate, swamp out the roundup. You know, we're just putting it all in there. We're sitting in the sunshine, getting people well. And, and I, I can't wait to hear Dr. Stella. She comes on, see how she's been doing. Cause I know we just, we never leave the road. We're all out there. Um, all we care about is that you get well. So the people that want to, shall I say, come to Jesus will and the rest, you know, oh, well, we'll see you, you know, on the other side. You know, it's a fascinating comment, too, and I was talking to uh, another person, one of our, our new friends here, uh, Juliet Ramos, who has a, a multi-million listener podcast, and she's going to be helping us out here, too, uh, is that everybody, her included, has a really strong belief in God, and the people that believe strongest in God also believe strongest in freedom, and it, it's a fascinating thing. It's the people that believe in government that believe in complete oppression or that don't have God in their life in the, in the same way. You know, or that are you know anywhere from agnostic to organized religion to you know, they're still not quite sure. They still have uh, they still think that government you know as a power uh, has a power over people that uh, that that somehow because it's government it's right and, and nothing could be further from the truth. It, it's quite fascinating. Um, I got a question yeah. on powerpoints though because you use powerpoints all the time. And carbon. Go ahead. Carbon yeah, go ahead. fourteen, by the way, is a radioactive oh. um, is a radioactive isotope of carbon. There are three oh. carbons in the world. We talked about carbon twelve right. thirteen is is a, um, a another isotope, and carbon fourteen is radioactive. So we we use it um, for like dating how old a tree is, like the carbon ring. So that's carbon dating. Of, that's the carbon dating. Yeah, uh, carbon dating. Uh, okay, it's got, got five thousand year half life, and we use it a lot in the laboratory and in various medical processes because it only penetrates like half a centimeter in water. So it's a low energy isotope mm-hmm. and we can use it safely in the lab. That's what it is. Hmm. I had forgotten that. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. That's we're, what kind of, we're, sure. we're kind of all over the place today, which is interesting. So this, we, we could call this the, uh, you know, the, 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 the war and sickness show, <laughs> you know, we were like, or, or the, the, the cure and the peace show. I mean, it's, we're, we are all over the place today. This is kind of fun. Do you find that with, with PowerPoints that this sort of, I mean, I, I know what they are. I know how they work. Yeah, but it's kind of like a mystique that if it's on a PowerPoint, it must be true. That if someone shows a, a slide, the audience goes, oh, wow. Even if you put something totally outrageous up there, they go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. That must be true. It's on a PowerPoint. Do you, do you, do you get the mystique and the persuasive power of these things and how the military can screw well, themselves no, up because no, they're all doing PowerPoints? I, I put the references. I oh, always okay. put the references. So I huh. tell you the source. It just gives me the what PowerPoint, what I use it for is so I don't go off into La La Land and talk about all the fun stuff and I stay <laughs> on point. So I stay, I stay with the PowerPoint. I stay on point and I just I put the literature to cite every word I'm saying. Not one word I say in any talk. That's what a scientist does. Show the data. Yeah. You can interpret it in any way you want, but mm-hmm. data are data. And that's that's why people can't touch me because every one of our books or they don't, they just say I'm ugly or whatever drunk. I don't care. Um, in the morning, you'll still be ugly and I'll I'm be the nerd sober, warrior. Right? What do they say about me? I, can, yeah. I don't care. I really don't care what they say about me. And I never, I have that, but my mom, my That's mom taught me that over. way. It's fine. Yeah. But, 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 and I always just show the data. So when you show the data, the data don't lie. And, um, yeah. you know, that's kind of that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, 
it's just it's interesting uh, that uh, the you know the government I'm sure does the same thing. They cite their sources, but their sources are government sources, and there is such a difference. And I find it fascinating right. that I, I can hear your computer in the background. That you look at the government sources. You know, you've got the the Center for Medicare services funding, you know, remdesivir ventilator death marches. You've got Dr. Fascist, who's in it for the royalties and the money. He still wants all, you know, he's not going to, all, all the, the, you know, the, the, the millions upon millions he's earned above this. This is absolute fascism. It's, it's a corporate government conspiracy to make billions and control people. And, and I'm not even sure about the, you know, the depopulation aspect. That's something we can, we can talk about uh, as well. It looks like uh, Josie's on the line too. So let me get her on as well. Maybe we'll get an update on what's happening with, uh, uh, Dr. Sell Emanuel, but it's just this, the, the, the difference between government science and, and real science, government doctors and real doctors, government doctors, you know, following a government policy, real doctors finding a cure is so drastic and so sharp that the, the mystique of the expert, I, we're almost better off. You said, well, I'm from the government. So I, you know, someone says that, I said, okay, I'm immediately skeptical of you. Are you operating from policy? Are you operating from Marxism? Are you operating from, uh, from, a, from an incredible bias of government power? Or do you actually have good information? See, I'm much more likely to believe a private doctor who's actually got experience and knows what's going on and has evidence to say, okay, this is what I found. This is what worked in my patients. This is what I'm using. That to me makes more sense than, you know, Dr. Fascist saying, well, we're going to use remdesivir, a failed Ebola drug, and we're going to put you on a ventilator. And uh, that's, the only policy, that's the only thing you can do. Well, the whole idea that that's the only thing you can do immediately makes it suspect. But you see the difference, and it's so stark between government doctors and, and you know, private doctors. Couldn't be more clear right. with COVID. Yeah. Right, huh. and that's what all these licensing organizations are. You know, oh, we'll take away your license. You know, you know, we, know we all know the laws that Newsom mm-hmm. signed into law. If, you, if you're a doctor and you speak if you're, um, a, a different narrative, you know, to your patients about COVID, you lose your license. So here it is. It's set in stone. You know, we murdered a million, zillion people, and if you say one word about it to your patients, uh, you lose your license. So that what we've got to do is take away all this license bullshit because, you know, PhDs aren't licensed. You know, I, yeah. I always say I, I'll use what I discovered anywhere. Well, my job is to teach and, and the doctors that do good work. I mean, I love the high wire a few weeks ago with Dr. Paul Merrick on it. And mm-hmm. he was in the hospital looking at sepsis and just using a combination of three simple things, vitamin C, whatever. Um, uh, I'll remember what they were sometime. But um, at any rate, you know, they're like, the, um, well, we need to do a clinical trial. No, we don't. We don't need to do a clinical trial for th- three things that have been safe, like ivermectin. If we use them, no higher than the maximally tolerated dose. And what we do when we do synergies and add three things together that mm-hmm. are known safe and effective, like vitamins, vitamin C. We don't need a we don't need a clinical trial for God-given vitamin C. And that's what the nurses say. No, we won't do it. It's working. These patients are living. You know, see ya. And that's what we need. Give give the um, Give medicine back to the practitioners. Give medicine back to the to the smart doctors. Hang your little shingle on the door saying, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, and anybody that wants to walk in can do it. I, acupuncture, you know, we know acupuncture changes purinergic modulators, those danger signals. You can turn down the sensor on the cell surface with something as simple as acupuncture, non-invasive. Hmm. We work with the cannabinoids. Yeah, there's so much crosstalk and so much in natural non-invasive energy therapies. So, you know, if we can convince everybody to, or if we can work to end this plague of corruption once and for all, so it never happens again, you know, then if you want to go take the COVID shot and pay your money, um, you know, go for it. You know, no more insurance. 
That's death. That's sick stuff. My insurance is God. In fact, all the way through Obamacare, my um, tax accountant um, just said, you insured? And he knew I wasn't. No, I never am. I don't believe in that. And I said, yep. And I pointed to God, said, yep, got, got, got God. And I don't mean Fauci or Obama, so we're good. And he yeah. checked the box on my tax return. It's like, <laughs> you know, they fine you if you don't pay a $1,000 a month for some of these insurance plans and for the right. very basic stuff. And, and you don't have it. You can't work. You pay a fine. Why? And then, and then your deductibles are, are hundreds of dollars. I didn't make $1,000 a month and in any month between 2010 and 2020. I'm not giving it to, to help. And, and when I was a kid, you know, from, for the first 20 years of my career at National Cancer Institute, I never made more than $30,000. It's like, you're kidding me. I'm not going to pay $12,000 for health insurance. We all have to think back to where this came from. It's not health insurance. It's, it's a company controlling medicine, and they keep you from getting the up-to-date, the latest data on drugs that we, you know, we had these solutions in 2007. We begged to give those infected with XMRVs the, 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 the relatively safe, highly active antiretroviral therapy. And when we did give it to people, they got better. And everybody said, oh, that's anecdotal storytelling. I don't care <laughs> if it's safe yeah, it enough to advertise on TV, if you can cite the pathway and you can explain it to the patient, which is I explain it to the doctor and the doctors explain it to the patient. This is the point. They're trained to talk to normal people. I'm trained to talk to them. And um, we speak different languages. That's why you can't simply put a psychiatrist up there. He says, oh, there's no such thing as viruses. I don't care what you say. Go do it. Go purify them. Go not purify them. You know, go, you know, if you don't believe in gravity, jump off a bridge. You'll do us all a favor. I don't care. You know, this is the whole point. If we all get to that point where yeah. we say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm going to take that back control of my own life. Your employer shouldn't pay for your social security. You know, your employer shouldn't be paying for your health insurance. That's why small businesses can't make it. And, and so then, you know, then you're a doctor, you're off protocol if you don't use this standard of kill as, as, as Newsom just signed into law. Oh, so you can premeditated murder somebody and, 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 and take away a doctor's license or even, a, even, even if a patient says, no, I want that drug, then they have to pay the exorbitant cost. Those highly active antiretroviral therapies, some of them are called like Zemlity um, and Truvada and Genvoya. We give them away on the streets of San Francisco. And we make TV commercials saying we can live our lifestyle and keep our copy number of HIV down to zero so we don't spread HIV to our friends. What is that? A vaccination. So oral vaccinations, we begged for these drugs when we isolated and associated the XMRVs with devastating cancers and drugs. We begged for serum and did the clinical trial. That's the royal we, um, do, the, the Dr. Navio in San Diego in 2014 when he saw the data. 
in 11, published it in 15. Double-blind placebo-controlled study. You have to use it right. We used it in 1986 in HIV, and it's the wrong kind of virus family. It, it doesn't work as well. They use it too high a dose, just like they did with the fraudulent hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin drug. Just use it wrong. Use it in the wrong patient at the wrong time. You know, call it dog shit like Celebrex and Biox. Know the half-life of your drug. Celebrex is and always was a fabulous cyclooxygenase inhibitor for lung cancers, for pain, for other things. And now here we've got doctors and uh, just, you know, oh, let's, let's just do more research studies. And this is why I got angry several weeks ago. It's like, no, we've had all these answers since 1972. The taxpayers paid for it, just like Dr. Merrick. You know, we can use vitamin C. We can use it along with other things, take advantage of synergy, which is a patent for a drug that I, I, we started working on, I consulted for from 2004. The patent was granted in 2010. Take advantage of nutrition to protect the, from side effects, and you can use Casadex, the prostate cancer drug, really, really low dose. Do you think the FDA, even though it was through phase one, phase two clinical trials, it actually cured some cancers? And they took it or they never approved it. The FDA, oh, pay a bribe, $10 million. This was a small company. They went broke, just like Candace Burton, Peptide T, the Dallas Buyers Club. Never did it make it to market. And Peptide T could have stopped all of this. And the many, many, many peptides. Oh, so they put the toxic peptides in fitin in every shot or the gene that expresses it. And then they send our immune system into auto-inflammatory, autoimmune and cancer. And they say, oh, look what happened. Or hypoxia, HIF, hypoxia-inducible factors. Oh, they're really important in cardiovascular disease. Oh, so you put everybody in a mask and created cardiovascular disease. And you're trying to convince people it has something to do with SARS-CoV-2, the monkey virus that you've injected in every single polio vaccine since you created in 2004. Stop it. It's not a virus. It's a, it doesn't hurt people with a strong immune system. The virus doesn't cause the disease. I have EBV. So do I. I have HPV. It never did cause cervical cancer. You know, we all have it. You know, why would you inject people who already have antibodies? What did you create? Antibody dependent enhancer, the Gardasil vaccine that never was a vaccine. And yet, as we talked about last week, all that, all that shit fraudulent commercial is still on the TV, and, um, and as well as the flu vaccine. Oh, so we can't add vitamin C in a couple of drugs, but you can walk in a drugstore and get four of these shots in the same day along with the COVID poison to kill everybody. As you yeah, know, from a drugstore employee. <laughs> Correct. Get, who, uh, who has no idea what your immune system looks like? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's get uh, Josie in before right. before My we rant. go past the. Yeah. Oh no, it's a good rant. I, I, I love you. I, I highlight good. it, in, I like in, the, it. In, the, in the show notes. Yeah. No, it's, you're free. This is this is not a PowerPoint, so you are free just to to feel free to to rant. We've got the. In fact, uh, ever since I discovered we had an overtime hour, things have been pretty cool. Josie, do you do you have any news on uh, Doctor Stella? Good morning. Good morning, Doctor Judy. Um, yeah, Dr. Stella is going to be calling in a few minutes now. Okay, good. Um, I, I, I was going to ask Dr. Judy, uh, I was talking to my niece, and uh, last year she was uh, at the hospital with COVID and all that, and they gave her remdesivir for five days. I'm, I'm surprised she's still alive. They trashed her lungs. Uh, she's been recuperating with the oxygen. She cannot go anywhere. She gets exhausted and tired. 
Uh, she yep. was telling me her lungs are about 80% good now. That's what they told her. But uh, I don't know if, what can she do. I mean, this is sad. Oh, sure. It's a oh, young do, girl. Do too. all of these things. Do all of these things. Not their drugs. You know, not their drugs. Yeah, she's going to need some oxygen for a little while. Little cardio miracle, open up the endothelial, relax the endothelial, get get the minerals flowing, get some nutrition, get nitric oxide flowing. I'm, I'm giving this, we're going to do a webinar this afternoon. I think it's on our, our website. Um, I'm, I'm supposed to be reading the papers or reminding myself um, how to mm-hmm. <laughs> not go off on rants. Um, but, uh, but we have all the answers. Well, except here. We, we have... We have the solutions. They're going to be. They're going. You know. They're going to be the appropriate use of low dose medications. Just not anything they give you in the hospital. So you've got to get her on these nutritional. They're they're on our website, the Real Doctor Judy. All we do is identify the okay. realdrjudy.com. Identify the companies. I'd be starting her right away with Cardio Miracles and some other nitric oxide formulations that you'll see there that because you need some acute ones. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really good, um, there's some really good old inhaler. And, and, and this is why I keep talking about my husband. My husband had severe COPD for, for 40 years and he got healthier mm-hmm. and healthier and healthier. If she stops oh, all the shots and works off, if she's taking any statin drug, stop it now. Um, if she's mm-hmm. taking any other drug, um, you know, consult. We'll try to get uh, uh, doctors to consult with you and and wean off of those things. But we got my husband off of absolutely everything, and his <laughs> autopsy proved that he wouldn't die. You, the purinergic modulation affects the kidneys, so you're going to want ivermectin. Yes, ivermectin along with Good. these things, they support each other, they synergize. There are many, many opportunities, and, and um, you know, she doesn't have to end up like that. They knew what they were causing, and the commercials oh, yeah. popped up right after they did it. And it's like, okay, we can all go home now. We created the market we intended to create. We make commercials of people pushing away the cigarette ashtray. That's when, I, that's when I throw things at the TV. Again, we're blaming behavior. My husband never smoked a day in his life. He couldn't. He got infected with a bacterial pneumonia in the hospital where he worked. You know, oh, that was an on-the-job injury. And these people are getting injured, the nurses, the doctors, the administrators, as he was. And, and oh, yeah, it's they, maybe they put these insulting ads on the TV and say, oh, just push back the ashtray. Or a fat, a fat black man. Oh, I'm just, you know, and, you know with, a, with a note on the refrigerator not to eat that stuff. You know, it's always our mm-hmm. fault when you poisoned our food and poisoned our, our, our medicine and poisoned the brains of people to blame us and to look down on us and try to make us hate each other. Yeah, the most susceptible are the ones that have to eat poison and can't eat clean food or or get decent health care. And now we're going to repurpose them again. No, we're going to close the FDA and let every drug, every single American paid for, you know, no more taxpayer private foundations of NIH. That's disgusting. And as Robert Malone said, that's criminal and it absolutely is so we're out there and we're going to try continue to try and and mm-hmm. help her but there are simple things she can do right now hi yeah. folks thank you doctor <clears throat> let me uh, let me just hop in here because we have uh, dr stella Emanuel and uh, john collins online Yay. so first of all john good morning good morning 
There we go. He's got the best microphone. And let me introduce our new person here, Dr. Stella Emanuel. So I've wanted to have her on the show for about two years. I remember that press conference way back when, on, I think it was the White House stairs or the Supreme Court or one of those places, and I thought, this woman is really cool. She's direct. She's blunt. She's, she's our kind of folks. And so I wanted to hear her story, and Josie was, was nice enough to uh, be in church yesterday uh, to, to talk to her and her assistant and everybody else. And uh, now let's uh, welcome to our, our Action Radio, the reconstituted World's Greatest Doctors panel, uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel. Welcome to Action Radio. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm blessed to be here this morning. Well, we're blessed to have you, too. And just to let you know, John Cullen, I don't know. If you, have you talked to John? John, have you talked to uh, Dr. Emanuel? Have you got no, I haven't. This is okay, this first is time. All right. First time. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Pleasure to meet you, Doc. Uh, Judy's laughing or Josie's laughing. So we have me. I'm the host here. I'm, I'm Greg. And we're pretty much all on a first-name basis because everybody has a title, long titles for, for some of the folks okay. here. So uh, Josie is our, our Latina reporter. She grew up in Nicaragua under communism. She's a, a citizen, citizen legislator, legislator. I'm talking too fast. I'm getting excited. I've got to slow down here. Uh, and so she's written a bill we'll talk about maybe at some point. Uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, you know. And Dr. Stella Emanuel uh, yep. is new to the show here. So, uh, John, why don't you introduce yourself um, and uh, give a brief description, and then we'll kind of we'll talk to Stella and find out what's going on with her these days and then uh, get into a bunch of things. I want to talk about, like, our legislation on uh, vaccine product liability. So, John, let me turn it over to you, and then we shall uh, continue on. Sure. So, uh, good morning, Dr. Stella. Uh, I, I'm familiar with your work, and so to me, you're you're famous. I saw you on the Candace Owens show, right? You you did an interview recently with Candace, right? That was you. Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm familiar with your work, and uh, my background uh, many years ago, about 34 years ago, I was at Oracle. And at Oracle, I helped put together the mapping system that the uh, Johns Hopkins University has been using to map the pandemic and track the pandemic's uh, intensity. And I noticed that that mapping system that I built many years ago was being used incorrectly to portray the pandemic. And that's what got my attention. So yeah, this was interesting to uh, to get you two together because I didn't think you – I've never seen you two together on any show. And that's why uh, – and, and Stella, this is a chance for you to ask John questions, too, about the COVID map, about any information, because this, I'm sure, can help you as well. Uh, and we, we converse with each other here, so it's not me just asking all the questions. You guys can go back and forth. Feel free. In fact, I'd rather have that mm-hmm. uh, once I get you on the show. Um, John, did you have a follow-up? I think I kind of jumped in there on you. Well, why don't I share just a couple of points with Dr. Stella and Dr. Judy um, that, may, that may be new. This may be new information, or you guys may be aware of this. So I know that President Biden in the United States declared that the pandemic is over. All right, so that was his opinion. But I'm looking at data right now from Germany and from Japan, because pandemics are global and Dr. Stella, your, your background, you're from Cameroon, right? Am, am I wrong mm-hmm. about that? Is it Cameroon? Yes, I'm from Cameroon. Right. So I take a very global perspective when I look at a pandemic. 
It's not an epidemic. It's a pandemic. And so when the president of the United States says the pandemic's over, I'm looking at the data and I'm looking at Germany right now. And case numbers in Germany are rather dramatic at the moment. So they're, they're not having a good run at the moment. Neither is Japan. So when I look at Japan, in the last four weeks in Japan, they've had a tremendous number of people pass away and case numbers and things like that. So I'm looking at these dynamics globally and what Taiwan, Germany, Japan, even Russia are still having a rough go of it right now. So uh, have you been looking globally at, at, at some of the other countries? Like, for example, I'm looking at the World Health Organization's reporting. So they have a map that they use to report on how many people have died. And I'm comparing the number of people that the WHO says died in China. And it's fewer than the number of people that have died in Ohio. Yeah, the, I, don't, I don't listen to what the WHO says because, I don't, because um, <laughs> they, are, they really should be banned from all nations. Yeah. But uh, uh, with the case numbers, um, I'm, practic- I'm a clinician. And we have been right. seeing COVID patients. I think we've probably seen over 120,000 COVID patients or more. Um, and we've had an uptick recently. Uh, I would say over the past, um, I mean, Delta and Omicron went really, really crazy. And then until about January, it started slowing down. And they slowed down to maybe we see maybe 10, 15 patients a day. There's never been a day we didn't see COVID patients. Mm-hmm. And then now we're having an uptick. You know, people are getting with the winter coming. Uh, I don't know why Biden declared that the, the pandemic was over because um, if they really believe that, then the, the emergency, the, the, the PrEP Act, the Federal Emergency Act should be, should be stopped, which is what they used to harass us. And also the EUA, you mean the Emergency everybody. Use Authorization? You mean the EUA? Yeah. yeah no, not the I EU. Agree. The PrEP. There, there was the a, a Federal Act. Emergency Declaration that is still in effect mm-hmm. till sometime in the end of 2024. So if they do believe that the pandemic is over, then that declaration should also be, be, be over. And it's not over. And that is a declaration that gives them the audacity to do all the crazy stuff that they've been doing. And uh, secondly, uh, I do believe that the pandemic has been over for a long time. Uh, COVID is endemic. Endemic means we're going to have to learn to live with the, whatever it is that they released. So COVID right now is endemic. And I, I grew up in Africa and West Africa. I went to medical school in Nigeria. I'm from Cameroon originally. And uh, we, I grew up in a malaria endemic zone. So we, I know what it means for a disease that is deadly to be endemic. Um, we uh, grew up, this is one of the reasons that really uh, got me taking care of patients is because when I heard that hydroxychloroquine was working, I basically started using the malaria dose on people. I grew up taking hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, mefloquine, and all that stuff, well, camoquine, daraprine. We took it. We mm-hmm. call it Sunday, Sunday medicine. Sunday, Sunday, right. We took yeah. It, yeah. yeah, Sunday, Sunday medicine. And we took it for yeah. the prevention of malaria, which is the reason why I've never gotten sick because I've always been on hydro. Since this pandemic started, I take hydroxychloroquine two tablets once a week, my vitamins and everything. So... Many people have gotten sick. I've taken care of all kinds of patients. Patients sneeze on me. My family moving with me when they get sick. 
but I've never gotten sick because I take I, I understand the, I have that mentality of COVID is endemic, and I take Sunday Sunday medicine. That's number one. The second mentality I have that has kept me safe is COVID is endemic, and there's no um, there's no such thing as a regular cold. In a, in when different. The reason why, if you look at all the data, the reason why West Africa and most of malaria endemic zones were spared from this craziness is the mindset of every fever is malaria. You take, you go and get malaria medicine first before mm-hmm. you, if you take malaria medicine and it doesn't work, then you start looking for what next can be causing the fever. For that reason, when most people got sick, maybe in Cameroon, Nigeria, Ghana, whatever, they go over the counter and they buy malaria medicine, which is one of the quinolones, the, the camoquine, mefloquine, and they are all mm-hmm. effective towards COVID. So if they had COVID and they took malaria medicine, they knocked it up immediately. And that is the same reason why in the beginning when China, when people left Wuhan, China, all over the world, many of them got to Nigeria, but it did not seed. West Africa, COVID did not sit into West Africa because when they left Wuhan, they were all required to take malaria prophylaxis to head to Nigeria or Cameroon or any of those places. And those malaria prophylaxis knocked out the COVID disease. So, I want to share something uh, with you because the, the, you're so on the money here and so few people are aware of what you're saying. So in in March of 2020, when the outbreak was just beginning, China had already published on CGTN, on the the Chinese television station there that speaks in English, that they found that anti-malarials were effective. And I have it on television. I have a TV clip of a guy on TV in China saying that doctors are finding that anti-malarials are effective at treating COVID. And Mm -hmm. you wonder, well, why, why did that become a conspiracy theory in the United States? when it was being because found to be effective. It... Pardon? Um, COVID-19 was a Trojan mm-hmm. horse for the vaccine. And the vaccine is a Trojan horse for transhumanism. And well, before, before we go that, that far, so let's be, before well, I want to hear all about, I want to hear about some... those three. Now we're, now we're on. All right, well, before we go yeah. there, let, let me yeah. share some other observations with you that are consistent with what uh-huh. you just shared, and I don't think the audience is aware of this. Nigeria has over 220 million people. It's the most populated mm-hmm. country in Africa. It has mm-hmm. fewer than 5,000 people that have died from COVID, which is meaning mm-hmm. Nigeria has fewer COVID deaths than Rhode Island Mm-hmm. Nigeria has fewer COVID deaths than Delaware, mm-hmm. with and 220 million people. Right now, Ethiopia. Like all right, hang Hold on, on Ethiopia. What was that, doctor? Well, I want to hear for. I want to sell a response. Two hundred and something million people are packed like sardines. You cannot social distance in the slums of Ajegunle or Lagos. Hmm. Right. And then you have Ethiopia. Do they wear masks? Do they wear masks at all? Uh, yeah, Stella, sure. In, in Nigeria, yeah. very. They in have the much better yeah. masks than we do. Yeah, it's it's the masks, Greg. It's the masks. Nigeria has very <laughs> good masks. <clears throat> now in Ethiopia, they have 120 million people, and Ethiopia 
has fewer people dead than Connecticut. And that's the second most populated country in Africa. Well, there's a common thread here because when we go to Asia, countries in Asia also take Sunday, Sunday medicine. Because Mm -hmm. in Cambodia and Thailand and Vietnam, there's a lot of rice fields and the rice fields are muddy and there's a lot of mosquitoes. And so malaria is also endemic in Southeast Asia. And I spent eight years living, <clears throat> living in Southeast Asia. And so I was looking at Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos. And in March and April of 2020, when we were declaring a global pandemic, there was no one dead in Vietnam. No one. Zero. And there was no one dead in Cambodia. And there was no one through the region, or it was a handful, like there were three people or six people dead in Thailand. So with that dynamic, it occurred to me that these anti-malarials might be preventing COVID. And I started to share that information yeah. with people back in March of 2020. I'm going to hold it just a little bit. Fun- I want to hold just What's a little that? bit, John, because well, I want to hold you up just a little bit because I want to get uh, Dr. Emmanuel's take on these things here. And I, I, I love your numbers, and it's a great presentation. I want to hold up, and, but I want to get uh, – we haven't had Dr. Emmanuel on the show before, so there's a couple things I want to talk about so with this her. This is the global view. So this is – Oh, I know. And then I want to get her view, and then I want to sort of move on. sharing with you? Okay. Yeah, this is what Dr. Emmanuel's sharing, and I'm confirming it across a broader set of countries, right? So what she okay. just said about Nigeria is true in Ethiopia, Vietnam. Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, because of the same drug, right? So the same medicine used in the same way led to the same outcomes in more than just Africa. So let's ask the big question. I want to jump in here real quickly. Um, Stella, so we know this. We know these drugs work. So, and you mentioned something, things that you just dropped a huge bombshell I want to follow up on. COVID-19, the vaccines, the Trojan horse, you know, for transhumanism. So I want to kind of pursue that a little bit here. John, just my apologies to you. Mm -hmm. But uh, what's, what's so critical about this is, is that, they knew this. We, we call uh, Dr. Fauci Dr. Fascist around here, uh, and I think for very good reason. So you can, you can feel free to speak freely on this show. You can say anything you want, uh, so you're not going to be restricted in that way. But it seems to me that the vaccine was created before the virus, that this was, mm-hmm. as you say, a Trojan horse, that they knew about this. There's no, there's no reason. I mean, Dr. Fascist back in 2005, Judy told us about this that uh, there was mm-hmm. a paper that he published or made comments that um, SARS-CoV-1 was treated with hydroxychloroquine. So we know he knew. Mm-hmm. We know that everybody in the health department knew. We knew that hydroxychloroquine cured COVID. We knew, I knew from the Dr. Mm-hmm. Didier Raoult study in Marseille, France, back in mm-hmm. uh, February of mm-hmm. 2020. So now the question, the big question is, is we know they knew. So why? What is, the, what is the diabolical nature behind these people? Why were they so hell-bent on suppressing the information, of restricting the doctors, of taking folks like you and Dr. Gold and the whole America's Frontline Doctors, and Judy and uh, Brian Artis and Jim Thorpe and all these people, the same thing, restricting it so they could push this remdesivir ventilator death march and this stupid thing that's not a vaccine, it's an experimental drug. Can you kind of walk us mm-hmm. through that? What, what do you think is really behind all this? I think that's probably the, 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 um, the biggest thing we can cover now. about so, it is, yeah. The truth about it is, like I said, um, if you read my book, Let America Live, you can get a copy on my website, drstellamd.com. Uh-huh. If you read my book, uh, it actually outlines what, I, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel and a, a doctor, and I know 
from the spiritual level what's going on. When I started in March and April and telling people this is not science, this is a spiritual battle, this is a battle to take out humanity, people thought I was crazy and a little intense. But I told the doctors over and over, you guys wake up, this is not, a, this is not science. Because mm-hmm. from then we've had articles after articles, we've had data, we have scientists, we have doctors, and what have they done? They've basically suppressed all that and plowed ahead to, to, to approve this crazy um, job for children, even our babies. So the mm-hmm. bottom, children don't get COVID. Um, I was a trained pediatrician. I'm a trained pediatrician before I started working in the emergency room. Children don't get COVID. We will see parents that are can breathe and then the children are jumping around. Oh, they get COVID and they don't get sick. You know, they don't mm. get sick that way. So there will be no, there is no excuse or no reason to give children a vaccine. But I'm just saying that if people, if humanity can wake up and realize that this, what is going on is a global, is a, is a conspiracy, but it's not a theory. It's a global conspiracy by certain elites to move humanity into transhumanism and population control. You can listen to Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, even the late um, Prince of, of Wales um, said uh, when he dies, he wanted to come back as a virus so they can depopulate the world. So they have a crazy agenda to depopulate the world and then turn everybody to a controllable robot. And this is no longer a conspiracy theory because they are talking about it now. If you listen to Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab said, in the fourth industrial revolution, it's not going to be you that it's not what you do that will be changed. It will be you if you take gene editing. If you listen to Bill Gates said, if you want that, you can reduce the population of the world by 10 to 15 percent with good vaccines and reproductive health. If you listen to um, uh, the CEO of Moderna said they are hacking the software of life and introducing a code. Yeah, 2017. Um, I remember that. Guys, that was that, the, I wanted to ask yeah. about that too. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's the arrogance of these people. If you listen to Yuval Harari Noah, the, the mm-hmm. Israeli historian that seemed to be guru or the prophet that his policy people listen to, he is the one that keeps giving. And I tell everybody listening, just go Google Yuval Harari Noah up in Rumble, uh, rumble.com, and you see so much stuff that the guy is saying. They want to turn us into a robot, turn it off bodies. You can Google internet of bodies. They want to download our brains and upload it. Humanity needs to wake up worldwide. There has been a worldwide conspiracy. All nations are involved. There are nations that do not have two COVID, three COVID cases. They were locked down and their economies destroyed. People, businesses, everything. Nigeria barely had COVID. They locked down the country, destroyed people's businesses, just, just destroyed. So what people can do destructive children in masks, getting them psychologically crazy, blocking them out of school, and with no care. Putting people in the hospital, you go to the hospital with COVID and they tell you, go home and wait till you're almost dead. And then you come back and then they intubate you, give you a remdesivir, intubate you and kill you off. There were people calling me from hospitals. You know, I've been in this and my heart just breaks. People call me from hospital. Dr. Stella, come and get me out of the hospital. And we couldn't. There was nothing to do. People begging for remdesivir, for, for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. This country has a law called right to try. So anybody has the right to try any dangerous medications if they want to. We have people begging for medications. You, people, many family members saw their family members the last time the day they walked into the emergency room. So right now, we might be sitting down thinking, well, COVID, 
uh, Biden is saying COVID is over. I don't know what's wrong with him. But COVID is endemic. And right now we're seeing an uptick with the winter. So my advice to all American people is make sure you have hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in your medicine cabinet. Take it prevention. If you have a cold, if you have a sniffle, if you have allergies, take two pills of hydroxychloroquine or one pill or whatever is your, by your weight or ivermectin so that you're safe. Don't, be, don't sit down and wait till you get sick and you're in the hospital and then you're calling for people to come and get you out of the hospital. Our hospitals have become death camps and more have died in the hospital than needed to. The people would have, who would have recovered from this thing at home, they would end up in the hospital and family members died. I travel around this country and people come to me crying. People come to me just saying, Dr. Sid, I wish I had met you. I wish I had known you. And then people come crying, those that we saved. I'm talking about 80-year-olds with diabetes and obesity and high blood pressure that would have had no hope of surviving this craziness. And we have people that live, 74-year-olds with diabetes, people with high blood pressure, immune disorders, and we gave them hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, they live. Yes, as you said earlier, the article that made me start using hydroxychloroquine, initially we heard they were using it in China. But what made me start using it was that article in 2005 that was written under Anthony Fauci that said chloroquine was a potent inhibitor of SARS-CoV-1. That is the article that made me start using hydroxychloroquine. And with all the attacks and the craziness that I went through, one of the things that we did, we hunkered down and we saw the American people. I do two things. I'm a physician and a clinician. We see patients, and the second thing that we do is we pray for this nation, and we pray for humanity, and humanity needs to stand up. So my advice to everybody right now, Go to your physician. If they refuse to give you hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, go on our website, drstellamd.com. You get a doctor's appointment. We have doctors in all 50 states, pharmacists in all 50 states that will get the medicine to your, to your, right to your house. Get it in your medicine cabinet. Do not wait till you get sick. Do not wait till the winter is here. Do not, because you don't know how crazy this thing is. We got to a stage where we will call medicine to walk in. They would... They would, they would, they would they will just cancel the prescription and not even tell the patient. People will be crying. We will call med- so we will, sometimes my staff will spend time calling us into four or five different pharmacies before you will find one that will agree to fill the prescription. So it, was, it became such a crazy thing for us. So we, we reached out to all the mom and pop pharmacies in America, and a lot of them stood up, and we created a system where our mom and pop pharmacies are there to take care of the American people. This is a war. But I tell everyone that is fighting the world, the patriots, those that are awake, those that are, do not sit down and wait to do your secret. It doesn't make sense. You will not be able to fight a war when you can't breathe. So that's my stuff. I'm a clinician and I'm a pastor. I'm a clinician and a minister of the gospel. We pray for the nation and we advise people how to be safe through this craziness. Even we even got stuff for monkeypox and everything. So please just wake up. Wake up humanity, not just America. I, I do shows and podcasts all over the world. People just need to wake up and realize there's a conspiracy here to destroy this very fabric of human beings and change who we are created by God. That is the conspiracy. And because of that, they stopped everything that could have treated people. First of all, we all know about um, gain-of-function studies and, and, and Dr. Fauci in, in Wuhan, China. So they, they, they put together this, they took a virus that was a common cold 
and made it deadly, and then they pushed it all over the world, and then they blocked the medications, and then they blocked everybody that could tell people how to stay well. This is a conspiracy for against humanity, and it is this. They've not stopped. Yes, I know. In 2020, when the Lord used my voice to shout to the whole world that people should wake up, COVID is can be treated. It was God was just giving humanity a respite. It was just the mercy of God. Because that day at the Supreme Court was the day the dam broke. And when the dam broke, try as they may, they could not put the water back in. Everybody came running out of their houses. Everybody came running out of everywhere. There was hope. There was healing. There was the fear that was, had covered the whole globe. The whole globe was covered in fear. And God in his mercy used my voice that day to break that fear all over the world. God just showed the world mercy. Because if not by now, we're all probably going to be jabbed or still all locked down. Everybody needs to know that these people, they're not, I, I would love to go into, the, you know, their, what their own composition and the reptilians and transhumans and, and nephilims and everything, but I'm sure that's another a conversation for another day. But remember that well, you can come back anytime. That we're dealing with, You're always welcome on mm-hmm. the show, you know, so drop in. You've these got people our that are now, doing so. this are yeah. wickedly wicked. They are, they are wicked. They are bent on destroying humanity. And we need to stop any romantic notion in our head, that thing that, oh, they have some kind of soul that can, or any kind of restraint that can stop them from going forward with their deadly agenda. They have not stopped. Just like with climate change, if they truly believe that climate change was real, most of them will not be flying private jets all over the world. They don't <laughs> believe this climate change stuff that they are saying. It is just another way to block Europe, make people die, that people are going to die in Europe. With, this winter is going to be horrible in Europe because there's yeah. no gas coming into Europe. The Russian war is just part of their conspiracy, taunting Russia with, with Ukraine. It's just so much that. And it's these guys, they are evil to the core. And there is no stopping them in trying to depopulate the world and then corrupt the rest of humanity, get us into transhumans, which they can control. Actually, I've got some ideas for how to stop them, but I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. I want to check in with uh, Judy Mikevitz and, and Josie, who's on the line, too. And then I've got a couple of questions for you. This is fabulous. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Uh, Judy, do you have some uh, any comments, yeah. questions or comments for uh, Stella? Yeah. Hi, Stella. I'm just so blessed hey. by you. And Yeah, that day you stood on the, uh, the steps there of the Supreme Court was the day I just cried tears of joy. Thank you, God, for bringing me you. And, you know, we learned on the high wire a few weeks ago when people were begging on their deathbed driver mechton if they took it and went off protocol nobody would pay for their care they'd lose their life insurance they'd lose their homes you know so that was where my daughter-in-law was begging for ivermectin for cancer they create they put a blowtorch on with the masks and the shots and she could do nothing else except die because her kids were going to get no mother and have no place to live, would be homeless. That's how they, you know, worsen that. We have the right to drive. I told the oncologist, please, please, please. And he said, she can leave my hospital, you know, but um, then she's off protocol. She has to pay the hundreds of thousands of dollars back for the year of their chemotherapy poison. It was horrible. So thank you for everything you're doing and we're gonna you know we're gonna stop this these kids who are have no mothers or no fathers or no grandfathers this this has to stop and we're going after them for premeditated murder thanks so much Stella, for everything you continue to do and all those sources of ivermectin heed her warning 
Get this stuff on your shelf. Don't wait till it's too late. We get three or four calls a day, especially with the myocarditis and everybody's doing all this test. We don't know what's causing it, you know. Get, get them out of there. That shot's causing it and the shedding's causing it. Don't go near the death camp. They're calling the hospital. Thanks so much, dear. You're welcome. Yes, sir. You have a comment? Because then I got to, uh, Josie and I got to, uh, several questions myself. Uh, we also have extended time, so the beauty of Blog Talk is uh, um, we can go past the top of the hour if you all want to stick around and chat. Ray? John, did you have a question? Yeah. Yeah, there's something I need to share with Dr. Stella. Okay. Um, Dr. Stella, I spoke to a gentleman a week or two ago named Curtis Bay, whose wife passed away in the hospital after two weeks. She never tested positive for COVID, yet her lips were indicating hypoxia. She was 79% blood ox, but never tested positive for COVID. For the last six months in the United States, more people have died from influenza, PNI, than from COVID for six months. Mm -hmm. Every week, I'm looking at the PNI deaths from influenza mortality. The influenza strain that's killing people isn't in the PCR test, doctor. Yeah, there's two the pandemics. There's two pa- hang on, there's two pandemics. Mm-hmm. I have a million PNI deaths since October 2019. And for the last 6 months, influenza has killed more people every week in the United States than COVID. And if you have the data, are most of these people vaccinated? Whether or not, again, irregardless of vaccination state, for the past six months, more people are dying from a different virus altogether. Now, if I told you it was tuberculosis, you might, you know, you, you might be taken aback. I'm telling you there's a strain of influenza that is not being detected by the PCR tests because there are people showing up at the hospital that are not testing positive for COVID, yet they are hypoxic. Now, how does that happen? One of the things that we do in our protocol of treatment, uh, the PCR test is a sham. It actually doesn't mean anything. One of the things that we never use the PCR test or positive PCR test to treat patients. We always treat patients by, by, by um, symptoms, by symptomatology, and that's always the way we've, we've always done it. So, um, what about cultures? We, what about cultures? Do we stop doing cultures? We, no, we didn't do any cultures. Why would I go do a viral culture? That is, that is not even something you do as a clinician. Maybe in some laboratory or some tertiary hospital, yeah. But we don't That's do the secret. You know, All right, you just yes. you just hit on the modus operandi here. If you look at the data, there were two pandemics. One of them went undetected. The way it goes undetected is very simple. A, the strain is not in the PCR test, and B, you just said we don't really do viral cultures anymore. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. We, don't we don't do, do viral that. cultures. That's the modus operandi. That's how you hide an influenza outbreak. You don't put the strain in the PCR test, number one. And number two, no one is doing viral cultures anymore. Mm. 
We should give you a little background yeah, too, because uh, John John's been talking about this for a while. And as briefed a couple of folks, we had uh, Emerald Robinson from uh, uh, Lindell TV. But what John's discovered, uh, and he is he's the numbers master, uh, is that the, when he talks about two pandemics, is that there was like one we know about COVID, which isn't as we know that deadly for ninety nine point you know nine five percent of the population, but the second. Mm-hmm pandemic the hidden one and this is why john you might want to give just a little bit of background on that because uh, mm. this might be this might be new to you okay so what john's mm-hmm. discovered he's got mm-hmm. the charts to prove it that uh, the real death of the four thousand a week the the number that he quotes a, a, a lot that uh, that behind all this the reason people are dying is is a, mm-hmm. is a flu strain and I'll let, I'll let him explain it but this is where this is where this is coming mm-hmm. from but i wanted to give you a little bit of background so you kind of get caught up here mm-hmm. that along with covid mm-hmm. there was this second far more deadly virus so john, i'll let you problem. pick it up from here yes. And, and again, so mm-hmm. this might be new to you. Judy, feel free to join in as well. And then, of course, you'll see I'll get to you in a little bit, too. John, back to your story. <clears throat> so, so everything that you've said so far, Dr. Stella, I agree mm-hmm. with. Right, may, maybe not the wizard people stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But <laughs> everything you talked about with the vaccines and they've been planning it, you know, I, I'm, with, I'm with you 100%. But it, you have to kind of scratch your head a little bit and say, so wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. All of this was for what? To do what? What was the outcome? <clears throat> what were they hoping to achieve here? And at the end of the day, you are one of the few people who knows that there's, you know, four or 5,000 people dead in Nigeria, a handful in Ethiopia, and that it wasn't that deadly, the SARS-CoV-2 virus in other places, and that the way we count in the United States is absurd because we count motorcycle accidents and gunshot victims if they test positive. So it's ridiculous. So we've got a million COVID deaths. Now, the question is, if there was an influenza outbreak in the United States, why would Dr. Fauci not tell everybody about that? Why wouldn't he simply say, hey, go to your doctor. There's two things running around. Get tested because you might need... Oseltamivir, you know, Tamiflu or Zofluza or Relenza, and a, and a different Actually, course of medication. Works. It does. Hydroxychloroquine <clears throat> works too. On the flu. Yes, as, as does ivermectin. Hold it on, turns out, It turns out ivermectin and hydroxy are both very effective. They're both. But they're go both, ahead. Hold on, John. They're both effective John, uh, against coronaviruses. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. are both effective. Yes, and Against I think that this is, yes, it's and I'm talking about influenza, okay. but I'm talking about one influenza. One at a time, folks. <laughs> I'll make sure we get one at a time. Right. Let's go back and forth a little bit here. No. I know you're excited. <clears throat> no, there's no question, no question that the uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are effective. I'm not debating that. What yeah. I'm suggesting is prior to the arrival of SARS-CoV-2, there was already a pandemic underway in Australia. So, in South Africa and in Chile, and it was an influenza pandemic. They had the worst outbreak of influenza in the summer of 2019 that they've had in 100 years, and it was called influenza. Mm -hmm. Then, then in January of 2019, 4,000 people a week are dying in the United States of influenza, P&I. You know P&I, right? You know they've been lumping them together, right? ICD-10 codes, right? Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. lump influenza and pneumonia together. They call it P&I. 4,000 people a week are dying before anybody's dying of COVID. 
Did you see that in your clinic? Let me let me see. So did you see that in your January, February, March, a rise of inflammation? February, March of 2020. Yeah. We do not. Okay, this is one of the reasons why we don't even see an uptick like that in my clinic because we have a lot of we have a lot of patients that have allergies, and we treat them the same way that we treat patients with with um, asthma. If they're coming and they have bad allergies, we give them a steroid shot. Sometimes we give them breathing treatment, and we this shot we put them on on Kenalock, um We put them on Kenalock, and that actually dealt with the inflammation. So even the way we treated flu was the only thing we probably added was the, was the hydroxychloroquine. So we didn't really have that many uh, people getting that sick because of the way we've always treated flu and you know influenza-like illnesses. But this is what I would say that, which is one of the things that have probably been hidden from us in the medical field, in the medical community, is that the flu can actually be treated by hydroxychloroquine. Because hydroxychloroquine is, works against coronaviruses. It is very effective. And the flu is a coronavirus. Most of the common colds till today, when people get a cold, that's why I say people have to change this mentality of maybe this is just my allergies or maybe this is just my cold or my dad. First of all, quit calling it yours. Well, I'm but being specific. You get, I'm not talking about colds you, or RSVs right now. I'm talking about a specific not, virus. <clears throat> I'm talking no, I'm about saying H1 that, animal. right? I would not have. See, I'm a clinician. I'm not like um. I'm not um I'm not in a tertiary hospital doing research. I'm a clinician, so I do mm-hmm. I I take care of patients based on what we see. You know what I'm saying? And all through, we did not even put any much credence to the PCR test. The only time we did a PCR test is if a patient insisted. We treated patients based based on symptoms, and because we treated patients based on symptomatology, we basically cut the out the 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 spread of whatever viruses were going on. We do not wait for somebody to have a COVID yeah. You reduce yeah. susceptibility. Yeah, your patients for allergies were less susceptible to getting any type of severe infection. And if they got infected, yeah. they would probably be asymptomatic because they already were not that susceptible to the severe inflammation and the cytokine storm mm-hmm. and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, but you know what? Well, go, cha- go, go ahead, John, because I want to change the subject a little bit here. Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest to Dr. Stella that the reason that, you know, again, we have two pandemics. This isn't the theory. I kinda, this is CDC data. I agree with you. CDC data. Now, why would Dr. Fauci want to cover up an influenza pandemic? That's where I want to go. Well, want I want to die. Right. Well, do you remember? Oh, hold on, John. John. Well, John, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. All right. I know they want people to die. We're, I'm being, I'm being specific. I'm saying, yeah. why would Fauci hide an influenza pandemic unless you tell me. the strain came from next door to where Dr. Judy used to work at Walter Reed? If it's a strain that came from one of his laboratories that he funded, everybody on the planet would see it in GenBank and say, hey, that's Taubenberger's strain. Remember when they resurrected the H1N1 from 1918? Mm -hmm. The one that causes severe cytokine storms and blue lips and altitude sickness? Mm -hmm. Looks like altitude. In fact, they called it the blue death back then. Well, they resurrected that virus. Now, if that virus got out 
don't you think Dr. Fauci would ask Peter Daszak to find something that presents similarly that we can release in China so we can blame China? China doesn't have 25, China doesn't have 30,000 people dead right now. Beijing is responsible for that. I want to get to Judy on this too. Hang on, John. So, I know you're passionate about this. I really do. And everybody really want to uh, um, get a few more things. Cause like I say, with the time we have available, uh, Stella, do you have beyond the top of the hour or do you have to leave at the top of the hour? Mm, let me see. I could probably be for a little bit before I leave. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, well, yeah, what are some combined Stella's reports here? About the 1918 influenza. What, what are your thoughts on that? The 1918 influenza? Well, Dr. Fauci resurrected it. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Fauci I, resurrected it. Okay. All right, hold see, on. This is, this is, I do believe you, but this is what I'm saying, right? Um, the whole, if we put this, uh, the, uh, the mindset that the whole pandemic was to hide something that slipped out of Dr. Fauci's lab, it might be making it a very simplistic view of exactly what is going on. What yes, is going on? That's right. Be the flu, whether it's going to be COVID, whether it's, they're going to weaponize monkeypox or Ebola or Malbec. And I'm thinking no, 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 no. It's Don't the whole on, idea. Hold on, John. The Go whole ahead, idea, the, 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 the death behind this is, to, is transhumanism and the population of the world. That's what I want to that focus on. John, I'm going to hold you up just for a little bit here. I really want to talk about this, like I say, in the time available. I want to get Judy and, and Josie in this as well, because this is the part. And we had we've had Patrick Woods on the show, uh, and so we're we're the audience. You know, we're fairly familiar with how this works. But I had a question. It seems like the United States and Western Europe were targeted because they didn't do this in in, in the African nations. They didn't do it in Asia, um, but they, they targeted. You know, the, the countries, the Western, you know, republics, the, the freer countries, mm-hmm. Australia, England, Europe, Western Europe, the United States. Why do you think, mm-hmm. do you have a theory as to why that happened? If this is transhumanism, do, do you go after the freest people first in the nation? Yes. You know, like, because they are going to be, yeah, because like, especially America, because America is like a beacon of light and hope and people that are going to fight for freedoms. And right. they figure that, you know, Let's get this. Let's bring down these Western nations so that before we target, we really go after the the ones that are already down. You know, but like I said, this is a global battle, mm-hmm. and the global battle. I, I I met one of my doctor friends. You know, I think it's, I was met him the other day, and I was like, I was smiling. I said, guys, I told you guys in 2020 that this stuff is spiritual. They are trying to destroy mm-hmm. humanity and transhumanism, and we get in, we get sometimes into the complicated science. When mm-hmm. I recognized that this was not science, I, I kind of stopped wasting my energy on the complicated science and just focus my energy on making sure that people wake up to the spiritual nature of what we're dealing with and be there and available to treat the American people. So sometimes, you know, I don't get caught up with, you know, the, the itty-bitty of the strains and whatever because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. and ivermectin works, whether it's flu, whether it's... Um, you know, COVID and everything. Well, that's the and fascinating so, part. As a clinician, did they as count a clinician, on that? Did they count on that happening? I mean, the doctor fascists of the world. Did they think no. that uh, that, that the hydroxychloroquine was going to cure all these things? 
that's Obviously why not. they came after us with, with a vengeance because all of a sudden something was going to stop their their diabolic um you know death plan you know that's why they came after us with such vengeance because yeah. they they were like even enacetylcysteine they started they started finding a way to block enacetylcysteine because it's very good enacetylcysteine is really it's a, it's, it's a mucolytic and it's also uh, an antioxidant and really, really helps with SARS-CoV-1, with, with SARS, or with any kind of respiratory virus. So when we started treating patients and we put them on hydroxytocin, we put them on N-acetylcysteine, and mm-hmm. we put them on, you know something? So to, then the, the whole the system or the FDA started trying to ban N-acetylcysteine from being over-the-counter. So anything that could help people, they, they try to destroy but I say this all the time. When when SARS, when COVID actually, when COVID hit India, they almost killed all Indians. But the Indian government was smart enough to turn to ivermectin, and the pandemic was stopped in its tracks. I always tell people, you cannot social distance in the slums of Bombay or Calcutta or Lagos or Ajegunle. And if social distancing and masks was what was stopping the spread of this disease, these countries could have been wiped out but they did not get wiped out because they took anti-malaria. So what happened in our country that uh, these like countries like India and, and the African nations, you know, they had hydroxychloroquine, they're willing to do this, but we listen to these health Nazis, as I call them, the doctor fascists of the world, and Trump got completely co-opted. And he was on the right track with hydroxychloroquine. He was mm-hmm. talking to my friend, Dr. Zelenko, who's been on the show a couple of times before he passed away. He actually wrote a bill, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a little bit, to reform the FDA. Mm-hmm. What happened to our nation? Why, did, why were they so willing to listen to these people who were obviously wrong? Because the rest of the world seemed to be doing fine. What happened here? How did the health Nazis take over the Trump administration? The first thing about it, at that time, Trump was more focused on winning the election than he was upon doing the right thing. Number okay. two, there are many people in his orbit that were not telling him the truth. Even Dr. Box came out right now to write a book about they gave Trump the wrong advice. At that time, the media, the media was so brutal. That is why they came after me with such brutality. I've been through what it means to be under that level of media brutality. Because mm-hmm. when they came after me crazy like that, people that, people, I remember times when Hannity and everybody had me co- coming on their show, but because of the way the media came after me, they backed down. Because everybody is terrified of to receive the wrath of the media. So many people stopped it. And then they had the WHO acting like a shadow government in treating, now they have a domin- the, 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 the pandemic treaty. They didn't have it in place at that time. But in the background, it was them with people that had a lot of money incentivizing hospitals to, to do these death protocols. I do, so sometimes people put this down to big pharma wants money. I don't think that is, this is about big pharma wants money. It's about a diabolic cabal. Because when, it, when push comes to shove, there are many doctors that would have stood up in hospital and screamed if it was just about big pharma and money because people's lives were involved. But doctors were being threatened, jobs were being threatened, and those that were put in place as CEOs in these hospitals were all part of the plan. And this was in many countries. So in many, many countries, you have young doctors that are seeing data coming from all over places and seeing other doctors talking about it, wanting to treat patients, and then you have some major CEO or 
some major director in the hospital, that's the one that decides the protocol, stopping them from seeing patients. And boards started threatening doctors. Many people were scared. I I'd always tell doctors, I said, you guys, we, I said, we, the doctors, the, the medical community, we are the ones that let the American people down. Because the doctors started thinking more of their cushiony white, whitewashed sepulchers I call big, beautiful houses. And that was more important to them than doing the right thing. Till today, doctors were terrified to lose their license. Doctors were terrified to lose their cushiony jobs. Doctors were frightened. And when CNN came after me and both started threatening me, it only went more to say, oh, Dr. Stella, we don't want to be like Dr. Stella. We don't want CNN to come after us. We don't want the board to be threatening our jobs. But you know what? I call them the good Germans that stood by and watched Hitler take the people to the gulletins and they look out through their window and they did not say anything. Mm-hmm. History will judge no, them, right. and the world yeah. will judge them. Yeah. And we thought it could never happen again. And to me, I call this a medical holocaust. Uh, I've said that before. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I openly say Dr. Fascist because I believe that that's what's really going on here. What kind of world do you think they're trying to create? And then I want to tell you about our legislation last little bit. And if we have some overtime, uh, we can, I can open it up more. But what, what do you, why do they think the world's going to be a better place if it's depopulated? Is it just so they can control us? I mean, who, <laughs> who do they think is going to work in their factories and, you know, and do all the things that people do and all the blue-collar jobs and the service jobs and the, all the things that people do to keep our society going. Why do they think it's going to be better yeah. if, we're, if we're 10% of our population now? They don't think they're going to need us. In fact, Rival Hirari Noah said they're going to have okay. machines working in humans. They're going to create bodies that are going to carry AIs, and these bodies are going to work in factories and everything. And in fact, humans are going to be humans. They're not going to have any need for human beings. So they're just going to give us drugs and video games. Hmm. If you like watch, the Matrix, uh, Matrix and the Terminator. <laughs> yes, like the Matrix, exactly, just like yeah. the Matrix. In fact, yeah. there was a doctor uh, that did a, a, a lecture at uh, West Point, uh, Dr. Charles Morgan, and that is what he's saying, that they are, gonna, they are teaching people things while they sleep, they are programming things into people's minds, then it's just going to be like the Matrix, that people yeah. can learn how to move, they can have, you, you can see, just, just like the Matrix, you know what I'm saying? If you listen to uh, uh, Dr. Amy Cruz, she used to work for DAPA. Right now she works for the Platypus Institute. She said they want transhumanism, that the human brain is archaic, they need to upgrade us to human 2.0 and connect us to the Internet of Things and connect us to the Internet of Bodies. Uh, Yuval Harari Noah says this, that at some point we're going to have these tiny nanobots swimming inside our bodies that will replace our immune system. And you're gonna not gonna be able to survive in this world without being plugged in, just like the Matrix. You know what I'm saying? If you're not plugged in, you're not gonna be able to survive because everything else will be destroyed. And and these people are serious about this. That is why when you see some of these crazy Hollywood movies, you need to look mm-hmm. at them properly. It's fascinating that Hollywood hey, supports the underdog in movies and then supports the government in real life. <laughs> it's fascinating. Go ahead, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesse. Uh, thank you, Dr. Stella, for coming. Uh, I was hoping you did. And uh, absolutely correct. All these movies that they've been showing us through all these years, that's exactly what they are doing. And they're showing it in our faces, but we're, we're not getting it. We think it's a movie. But the population control, uh, it starts in the womb or the woman, mm-hmm. and they want abortions. They're, they're vaccinating mm-hmm. our children with poison since you're mm-hmm. born if you have a mm-hmm. chance to get born. Uh, so this has been going on and on. All the medicines that they give us are contaminated. All the products we're mm-hmm. using are contaminated yep. by China. Mm-hmm. So the list goes on and on and on. And they're trying to 
kill us since we're born, if we get a chance to be here. Uh, it is sad, and it's time to kill him, this killing of the mm-hmm. vaccine of mm-hmm. innocent children. I know mm-hmm. so many people, they're collapsing with heart attacks, strokes, and it's been going yep. on now for two years, and it's continuing. Mm-hmm. But um, God bless you, and I'm glad you came to the show, Dr. Estella. Uh, uh, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, you know, one thing that people that I'm saying is that right now, Almost everybody knows somebody that dropped dead. Do you know how many people have to be dropping dead for most people you know, knowing somebody that dropped dead after the vaccine? Mm-hmm. And they are not mm-hmm. reporting these numbers. I'm sure all of you know somebody that One of my reporters, oh, yeah. one of our, uh, Dr. Peter Pride, who's you... a national security expert, he, he reported with us for four years, and he died six months after a COVID shot. Do you know how oh, many wow. people... I've need to be dying. How many people mm-hmm. are dying? Insurance companies that did insurance from age 18 to 45, and they, they, barely, they, just, they, they barely charge them because that age group don't die. They are going into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Morticians are reporting. Embalming people are reporting. So there is what we call right now a, a massive death, and the commonest cause of death is being reported right now as we don't know. Cancers that had been in remissions are coming back raging. Mm-hmm. Diseases that have been in remissions are coming because basically what they have created is an HIV-like uh, condition in people where people's immunities have been destroyed. And it's such a kill shot because when you now die from a stroke six months later, you don't relate it to the disease. Or if you die from a heart attack or you die from pulmonary embolism, when this this blood clots happening in your heart, you don't relate it to this disease. When your immunity is destroyed like they did with HIV, you die from little things that couldn't, did not have to kill you. So they have created such, an, a, such a, 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 a diabolic kill shot, and they can sit back and just watch humanity die. I am a Bible scholar. If you go in Revelation 6 and you read it, it talks about seals that are open and released on the world. The first seal was the conqueror, and the whole world has been conquered. The second seal is war and disagreement among each other. The third seal is famine. I tell people listening to me right now, Google food shortage and make sure you stock up food, water, and everything for your family. Learn to grow your own vegetables because famine is coming. It's going to be worldwide, and it is deliberate, just like the, 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 the um, pandemic is deliberate. When you look at the fourth seal, it's death and hell, and many people are going to die. By the time you get to the fifth seal, you see many people at the throne of grace. I tell people that have not given their life to Christ, give your life to Christ. Make sure if you die, you go to the right place because one quarter of humanity is going to die. If people are not seeking God right now and still have all these ideas of who God is and oh, they can do it by themselves, when they get to the place where people are going to be dropping dead on the streets and you'll be seeing dead bodies and nobody can bury them because there will be so many, humanity will rise up and humanity will seek after God. But for now, people can continue their science ideas and everything. But I'm saying if you don't listen right now and get ready for what is coming, you're going to be caught up without knowing. Stock up food, stock up water, stock up medication. If you're on diabetic medication or high blood pressure medication, stock it up. Because when, when famine really hits and everything is crazy and a loaf of bread is three $400, 
how are you going to feed your family? You can go to the stores right now and see what's going on. Google food shortage. It is time for humanity to be prepared because you can't fight this battle when you can't breathe or you can't fight this battle when you don't have food to eat. So stock up food, stock up water. Go on our website, drcellamd.com. Get ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in all 50 states or go to your doctor or whoever. Just get it. Get your vitamins, get your medicines that you need, stock up banded, stock up pray for the mosquito, just about anything. Because it, get flashlights and little solar power banks and little solar uh, generators that you could just please be prepared. If the grid goes down, what are you gonna do? We even have a nebulizer that you can use you can plug it on, on a USB cord. Get small just Please talk up. Get, go on. I found a heater that is a 200 watt heater on on Amazon. Just please, please, humanity, listen to me. Get prepared because we are about to go into an Armageddon-like life, and things are going to get really, really crazy. And if you We're, are not ready, yeah. you will be destroyed. We heard exactly the same thing from uh, from Wendy, who uh, does our Oh My God report. She's a minister, and it's it's fascinating the parallels. You're saying exactly the same things. Um, I want to get uh, Judy's opinion on on the destruction of our immune system, uh, but before that, there is a way that uh, hopefully, as we work through this incredible thing is happening. There's something that I that I started here at Action Radio. So we're the first show with a citizen legislature. We actually write bills that can be put directly into Congress, directly into the committee hearings. They can go to the state legislatures. They can go to local governments. And there's two bills I want to tell you about. Uh, this is why I've been trying to get you on for about two years now. <laughs> it's, it's taken a while, so I'm really glad you're here. But uh, Judy knows about this bill. Josie knows about it. Uh, it's a bill that will put full uh, product liability on vaccine makers. And it's at writeyourlaws.com. That's our website. I'll text it to you so, uh, uh, so you'll see it. And W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And that's where we have that yeah. bill, product liability, full product liability. And we, if you start talking about it, and I want to get Simone Gold on the show, she's an attorney. She'll know all about this. You know, and if we can get you guys, every time you go on a show, say, here's the problem, and you outline the problem, but here's a solution. There is a bill. If you could just copy the link and send it to Congress and send it to every media outlet and send it to all your friends mm-hmm. and family and ask them to do that, we get this bill link. This link uh, to our bill on vaccine product liability, it basically says – there's a few things in it. It gets rid of the emergency uh, declaration. Uh, it, um, mm-hmm. But the main thing that it does is it takes the places in law – there's two of them – where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable. And it takes out the word mm-hmm. not. So it says vaccine manufacturers shall be liable. Now, if you can mm-hmm. help push this, if you can help advocate this bill and, and get it to all the yes. places that you go, Judy's already doing this. Mm-hmm. Josie does this. I mean, we're, right. everybody's, we're working towards this. That's the first bill. The second mm-hmm. bill, which is really key, is, is, is it fixes Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. This is what big tech uses to suppress us. So what I do is I take one section that tells them the things they can remove from the Internet, which includes anything they think is otherwise objectionable, all right? and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and those powers are already covered by the obscenity law, so they don't need to do that. They don't need law enforcement powers. So what my, my bill does on big tech, it says you retain your immunity from anything that anybody posts. You're not liable for what people post, okay? but mm-hmm. if you touch what anybody posts, if you touch anybody's account, if you touch their messages, comments, if you touch anything anybody's doing on social media, or if you arrange the search results on a search engine beyond the raw number of hits, if you manipulate the mm-hmm. data in any way to change the results on a search, if you do that or mess with accounts or mess with social media, you lose that immunity. You are then liable 
uh, and uh, and then you can be sued by anybody. You know, if you touch anybody's account, if you touch anything post, and if you touch the search engine, you lose your immunity from uh, from liability, and you can be sued. And mm-hmm. that's how we control big tech. So those two bills, those are the two mm-hmm. big ones right now. And we've got them on writeyourlaws.com. I'll text them to you. You can take a look, see what you think. And sure. uh, hopefully we can get America's frontline doctors lobbying both our end to big tech and our product liability bill, vaccine product liability. That's what we do okay. here. What do you think? Yeah, send it to me and we'll, 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 I'll, I'll do what I can. Okay. Appreciate it. Judy? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you have any questions? That was a lot. And, and, and it's a lot of new information. No questions, but once again, just just echoing everything Dr. Stella says. Absolutely everything. You've got to get clean food. It's going to get ugly. No, there's no destruction of our immune systems if we just stop poisoning them. While there's breath, there's life. Mm -hmm. This is a spiritual battle, and the mark of the beast is not your arm. It's your brain. You've got to know Mm -hmm. God has everything you need. God is love. God wins. Love wins. That's what we have to do. You know, we're mm-hmm. here for you, but you have to believe us and wake up, as Dr. Stella just said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> I said my bit. Anybody else? Uh, can, Josie, can I, say, uh, I was talking, yeah. talking to one of the ladies at church last night when I was at, uh, at the Bible study with Estella, and uh she goes, no, I'm not preparing. She goes, because God is going to provide day by day. I said, really? Is that what he did with Joseph? Joseph told him that they needed to prepare for seven years of famine, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, she kind of like did not answer me back about that. <laughs> but I got her because, you know, we have to be prepared. We have to be wise mm-hmm. because God give us the wisdom for us to, to obey, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you were saying last night to all the people at church, Dr. Stella, we have to prepare with everything, especially meds, hydrochloric, mm-hmm. ivermectin. We should have it in our home. Everybody should have yep. it in, a, in the home at this time. Yep. And ready to go. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I tell okay. people, we, we have spent the past one year, the past two years, taking care of the American people. That's just what we do. We've seen over 120,000 patients. We've kept many, many people alive. It's just, it's been an amazing, amazing thing that the Lord has just been gracious and given me the, the, the grace and ability to do with all the, my, my team. And uh, we're going to continue taking care of the American people. That's all. That's like I said, I do two things. I'm a clinician and I'm a prayer warrior. Those are the two things that I do. And that's the services that God has put in me to give to humanity. So everybody, just please go to your doctor. Get hydroxychloroquine. That is the most important advice you can get for this winter. Get hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in your medicine cabinet. That will save your life. It will save a family member. These medicines are over the counter. I don't care. Go across Mexico and get it. Fly to India or whatever. But if you can't find it, if you go on our website, drcellamd.com, we can help you to get give you a prescription. Keep it in your medicine cabinet. It will save you. It will save a family member. And remember, there's no such thing as a regular cold as we go into this winter. Any sniffle is to be dealt with with hydroxychloroquine precisely. Hmm. Wow, that's, that sounds fascinating. And it's, uh, I have to uh, start it myself here. Um, so this has been yeah. wonderful. Uh, anything, do you have any questions for us, uh, Stella? Anything that we can help you with or for, for Judy or Jesse or me? Yeah, just think you, you, everybody just, let's just continue the fight. And okay. just continue to fight. And I pray that God will strengthen every one of us. 
and continue mm-hmm. to give us um, the grace to do the work that we do. You know, yeah. that's, that's just any, my prayer that every one of us will be strong. Is any news media covering you? Do I mean, I would think this would have been celebrated. This is the other thing I don't understand. The entire news media has, has been co-opted. Not one of them have said, this works. This is an early treatment. The government's wrong. You know, and they never do it. Mm-hmm. And yet we all know this. I mean, the shows like mine and Del Bigtree and other folks that are doing this, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. it, getting the word out. It's almost like we're like two separate worlds. There's the freedom world. Yes, the government there's world. actually two, two separate worlds. Okay. I feel sorry for Democrats because Democrats seem to be in this bubble. You know, mm-hmm. they are the ones that are like deep in the matrix, you know, but at least Republicans are waking up. So let's continue to pray for our family members that they will wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see when people come in, do you, do you see a lot of them? There's a lot of fear in people from the, like the mass psychosis. They're buying into all the bad information. Oh, yes. Still no, no. You. Right now. Okay, go ahead. I live in Texas. Initially, mm-hmm. the, the fear was crazy. We were all afraid. We started out wearing Tyvek suits and masks and just covering our whole body and very picking at the patient through through some goggles, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now we're in Texas, and Texas was pretty free very early, you know. By the, you know, but the mask thing, I, I always say that slaves who love their masks shall remain in their bondage. It is really sad to still see a few people out on the street jogging with a mask or see a three-year-old with a mask. It just hurts. Yeah. But most people have been run away from the mask, you know. Do you find people but are healthier when that, they have less they fear? Monkeypox, yeah, go ahead. Many people ran back into the house and put on their mask again. So <laughs> we pray that people would, people, yes. We pray Do you that see monkeypox here? Yeah. Have you had any monkeypox cases? No, I haven't. But being that we're always forward-looking, we found mm-hmm. um, a, a pitcher plant. This is a carnivorous plant that was used by the Indians in the day of smallpox to treat huh. smallpox. And it treats all pox. So we actually found a, a doctor, um, Dr. Jaya, that is um it's a naturopathic doctor to produce right. small to produce pitcher plant for us so that we have it in case you people we have it on our website to uh, pox defense in case you get exposed to the monkey pox i do believe that they're going to use monkey pox they're going to weaponize it more they're waiting after the election now they they're just calming down onto the election after the election they'll probably weaponize that because that will be the best thing to use for a digital currency so that you don't touch anything because you can touch monkey pox Oh, jeez. You know, so, yeah, fear. So, um, fear kills, people, doesn't it? Go, people die yeah. of fear. Go, yeah, I advise people go online, look for pitcher plant or Saracenia purpura. I think you okay. can see it on, I think it's on Amazon. Just get it and keep it in your medicine cabinet. We have it, we call pox defense. Well, the one we have has other immune things in it. But if you just want the pure Saracenia purpura, you can actually get it on Amazon huh. or, or something before it runs out. Get it, keep it in your medicine cabinet. If they weaponize pox, and you get exposed, you put three sprays in your mouth for five days, and you'll be okay. Picture you'll be okay immunity. I want to, yeah, Judy, have you heard yeah. this before? This is, this is new to me. Yes, yes I Dr. Jana Schmidt. Yeah. Yes, we've also got study. that in our healthy store. Yep. She's done a, a lot study. of studies. She's an expert. Not even that. There's actually a study that was done under the NIH. If you Google picture plant and smallpox, there's a study that was done under NIH, just like the chloroquine study that talked mm-hmm. about pitcher plant being Saracenia purpura being used for, monkey, for 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 smallpox, not just pox, smallpox, all the poxes, chickenpox, smallpox, right. all the all the you know all the viral uh, um, um, viruses. So yeah, so people get your pitcher plant keeping your house. About it. Yeah, yeah. Zeb Zelenko so told we, us about it a year ago. For you know, mm-hmm. we were looking for all of this, so we had the 
the the pickier plant, and and so we knew this from Native American and uh, the Cherokee yeah. Indian. So yeah, we've got this. Mm-hmm. There are studies that have been on it, and people should just look at that. And like I said, let it yeah. be part of the things you get in your medicine cabinet. If you do a, we we're also putting together what we call Viral Immune Plus. That has like a Kinesia, Elderberry, ECGC, and other stuff that we're putting that together in case they, they weaponize uh, Marburg or, or Ebola. So, yeah, we're always we're, we're working. That's what we do. Well, this is fascinating that you're working on these <laughs> things ahead of time so that no matter what they try and throw mm-hmm. at us, you know, it's, it's like yeah. with the, even if they vaccinate the cattle and it's in the beef, you know, we have, uh-huh. uh, you know, the things that you have to treat, uh, you know, the vaccine mm-hmm. injury. Uh, this is fascinating. Yeah. This is the, we really are becoming mm-hmm. two worlds. I see. I don't give up hope. I think we're going to win because every there's always mm-hmm. a group that comes along that wants to take over the world, whether it's Stalin or mm-hmm. Hitler or Mao, or you go back to Genghis mm-hmm. Khan, or you go back to an entire human history. There's always some idiot or group of idiots mm-hmm. that think they can take over the world, and it hasn't worked. I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to work this time either. Mm-hmm. But we're all together now, and we have the internet, and we have different ways to fight this. And so I'm fighting mm-hmm. legislation. Yeah. You guys are fighting it with, with mm-hmm. the clinical uh, Dr. Stella with the clinical stuff. Judy with the uh, you know, with everything she's doing with, with uh, you know, molecular biological teaching of all the doctors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fascinating what happens. And Josie mm-hmm. does what she does best, you know, which is, uh, you know, work with the folks that she works with. And it's just fascinating how this is working. But we're all coming together. We all started mm-hmm. in different places. You know, I started back yeah. in uh, February 27th of 2020. I wrote a bill for Congress. It never went anywhere. But I wrote a bill that mm-hmm. said that, uh, that Congress could only spend half the money on vaccines. The other half had to be spent on early treatments. Because I recognize right away, you don't bring a vaccine to a disease that's already here, especially when it takes 10 years to develop mm-hmm. one. So that never made sense mm-hmm. to me. So here, I'm not a doctor. I'm looking at this logically. You know, we, we have the logic and reason filter here. I'm saying to myself, there's no way this can work. And who's this guy, you know, Fauci? He's saying that, the, and the only thing he's saying is vaccines. He never mentioned cures. He never mentioned treatments. He never mentioned anything. I always like to ask the question mm-hmm. that isn't being asked. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I knew something was wrong right away. And then we just, uh, then when I announced on March 2nd, 2020, that chloroquine uh, kills COVID from the DDRL study, uh, that was it. We were mm-hmm. censored right away. That's when I became one of you guys. So just, just as a last thing, like I say, I'll send you the bills. Uh, I'd love to get you and Simone Gold or, or maybe Dr. Gold by yourself. But if we can get America's frontline doctors as legislative mm-hmm. advocates for just these two bills, you know, then I think that's going to make a huge difference. Oh, yeah, let me know. I'll connect you if you don't have the connection, Dr. Gold. We were, in, we were in Miami last week with um with the okay. Surgeon General of Miami, yes, and yeah. he was um. Well, I'll text you with with my number, and like I said, all numbers are kept confidential, so uh, so that sure. that's good. And uh-huh. then uh, I'll get you the bills, and I'll give you websites, and we can talk and emails, and we can do things that way. But all this right. is fabulous. You are wonderful. Let's let's uh, where's my where's my round of applause here, real quickly? So let me just get that. <laughs> hang hang on, I'm not scrolling fast <laughs> enough. I even announced it ahead of time. Here we go. <laughs> so, Dr. Stella Emanuel, thanks for coming on the show, and, and welcome to Action Radio. Now you're part of the family, so you can you can drop yes. in anytime. Just if you want on the show, if you have an announcement, if you if we can talk legislation, do like a legislative workshop uh, on all that. Yes. Uh, um, Judy's working on a couple of bills now. She's going to do. We've got the bill to ban drug advertising. And we're going to – well, here's a, just one last question real quick. There's no legal requirement to see a, a doctor that's licensed by any of these boards or things like that. So we can actually boycott the, the, uh, the quote, officially certified, you know, doctors that are following the government line and just go to independent people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good can. One. That's a good like, one. One, okay. of the, one of the things that the PrEP Act really did was that it gave doctors the ability – this is what I tell a lot of physicians. They don't know that. But with mm-hmm. the PrEP Act in place – you can see patients in all 50 states with just one, one license. We need to get the I mean, PrEP I'm Act, like uh, 10 states. Yeah, we need to get rid of the PrEP Act, have, too. 
Go ahead. Someone's driving. No, I'm saying that right. I'm licensed in 10 states, and I have uh, people that are licensed in all 50 states. But with uh-huh. the PrEP Act in place, we can take advantage of that PrEP Act. You can see, as long as it concerns the pandemic, you can see patients in all 50 states. So is the PrEP Act a good thing or a bad thing? Should we get rid of it or should we keep it? Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that. No, I mean, if either way, uh, it's not a good or bad issue that I'm talking about. I'm saying that, right? Okay. If they right. could the PrEP Act together to, to protect themselves from all kind of craziness, but that same right. protection gives the, doc, the good doctors and also use the same PrEP Act to see patients in all 50 states. So there's no restriction. Uh, if, if, like, I had one of the states, states come after me because we had seen a patient in that state. They're like, oh, you're not licensed here. And I sent them a very strongly worded email. I said, listen, the PrEP Act, the Federal Act, from any state legislation. Why don't you write that bill? Would you be interested in writing it? And I'll help you write it, and we'll work on it. And uh, that might be a great bill for you. And then you can advocate it directly with uh, America's frontline doctors. You'd be a citizen legislator. We'll add that to the long list of credentials. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. You can be a bill writer. All right, let's Ask Judy's a bill writer. Yeah. It's fun, isn't it, Judy? Josie writes bills, too. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let, let's uh, let, let's call a halt here. This has been great. This has been wonderful. Thank you all very much. Uh, so once again, mm-hmm. Dr. Stella Emanuel, you're drstellaemanuel. dot com. Got that right? No, drstellamd. dot com. Drstellamd. dot com. Okay. Let's make sure I get that right. Drstellamd. dot com. Okay. Anybody else want to? Judy, you want to give your? I'm I'm sorry, Stella. Go ahead. No, I said drstellamd. dot com. There we go. It's on a podcast, so anybody that missed it that time, repeat it again. Uh, all right, so Judy, mm-hmm. you want to give your uh, website and any email or anything like that? Yeah, drjudy.com and the, the drjudy at therealdrjudy.com. Got it. And Jesse, you want to plug your store real quick? <laughs> anything you want to say? Of course. I'm driving. Of course, it's going to be loud. Ruth Uniform Shop on Olive Road, Pensacola. Come and visit me. We're yep. the information center. <laughs> yes, yeah, all the doctors and nurses and people that need uniforms come to her store, so she knows everything. I hear all the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all. Let me just play a couple things talking about Action Radio. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's the early day, 6 a.m. Central. And so we have our gun reporters. We have our, our financial report. Uh, we have our constitution reporter. And we're going to talk uh, climate change with an earth science uh, teacher of many, many years. And so that starts 6 a.m. Central. And, again, all the folks on the show today, you're always welcome to come back. This is, this is an unusual place. We are literally one big happy family. So uh, take care, and I'll see you all tomorrow. And remember, our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. 
please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.